What's up, guys? Welcome back for another episode of Teacher's Take. Uh, again, I'm Don, here with my man Eli. Um, so just a rundown of what we got going on today. We're going to we're gonna give you guys a backdrop of who we are and what brought us to start this podcast. Uh, we're going to discuss some fantasy football. We're going to try to dig, uh, dig up a little bit on Will Greer, talk about West Virginia basketball troubles, then give you guys an update on our bowl predictions, and um, a few other tidbits we're going to throw in there today. All right, guys, this is Eli, and who I am, I'm an actually a seventh grade math teacher here in Raleigh County in West Virginia, and I'm married, live in Beckley, West Virginia, just trying to make it out and just enjoy myself, trying to take care of this podcast and just enjoy sports. Uh, I coach softball uh, on top of everything else and just an avid sports fanatic, as most of you guys can figure that out. And now Don. So um, me, I am a third grade teacher in a departmentalized school, so I teach third grade writing. Uh, I'm a local guy, born and raised here in Beckley, West Virginia. Uh, avid fan of all sports, huge basketball fan. Um, you know, anything sports related I'm interested in, and I'm just really excited to get this podcast uh, up and running. So, a quick, uh, a quick how we met. So, Eli and I both went to Bluefield State College, a small school uh, on the border of West Virginia and Virginia. It's uh, an HBCU, and uh, we're both athletes. So Eli was baseball, and I was a basketball player. Um, he had a little bit of a different path to take him to Bluefield State. For me, uh, I'm a local Southern West Virginia guy. Um, you know, I had the opportunity to go down there and run cross country and play some basketball, and that's what I did. Uh, why would I? Why would anyone in this day and age choose teaching as a profession? Well, my uh, freshman year. My coach uh, knew, knew that I was planning on being a nurse. Um, and he was like, well, you know, if you want to play basketball, it's going to be tough to play basketball and uh, be a nurse as far as clinicals and things of that matter go with your road games, away games, and the commitment it is to sports. So, uh, you know, I quickly changed my major to education. And the thought with education is to, if you teach, you can coach. So coaching would fill the void that basketball created. So fast forward to now, I'm not coaching basketball. I filled the void nowadays. I fill my void of basketball with uh, exercise, the weight room, working out. And just kind of piggybacking off of that, you know, I made my way to Bluefield State after bouncing around from school in South Carolina. I went to Goose Creek High School just outside of Charleston. And you know, when you grow up in Charleston, you want to, you want away. Yeah, everybody around here in West Virginia is all about going back to South Carolina. You know, when you live there, it just gets old. So I found my way out. I uh, got an offer to come and play baseball up at Concord University in Athens. Well, after being there for about a year, found out that my baseball career was shortly over. Made my way to Bluefield State thinking, hey, I'm going to give this another shot. Slowly but surely, I realized I'm fat out of shape, I might as well just be a coach and just be a teacher. And I always had aspirations of being a teacher. So, you know, I was in the education program every school I went. And when I got to Bluefield State, that's when I met Don and Cor our buddies Corey and Cody. Cody and and man, that's all of us hung out together. You know, our buddy Kevin, who's in our fantasy league, like all of us hung out, did projects together. That's the, the cool thing about going to a small school is um, you meet some guys that uh, really become super close because – 
there's not a whole lot to do, so you stick together and you entertain each other for the most part. Oh, yeah. And then, then just kind of with us, uh, you know, Don went and gave up, was out of teaching for a while. Yeah, so uh, my first year teaching, um, I took a, a Title I position. You know, if you're familiar with education, you know what that entails. If not, uh, Title I is, uh, deals with some small group stuff and uh, you get some money from the government. You get to spend different things like that. But I um, did that for about eight months my first job. And then I got an opportunity to go and work uh, at a nuclear power plant, which was exciting. And I uh, did that for three years. Um, you know, had a divorce and then um, decided that I moved to Virginia. So then I decided Virginia wasn't for me. So I came home to Southern West Virginia. And here in Southern West Virginia, um, teaching and healthcare is about the only only professions going. So, you know, I already have my teaching degree. I renewed my license. I applied for a job and Sure enough, here I am back teaching and uh, reacquainted with a lot of my friends and Eli being one of my good friends. Uh, you know, we, we picked right back up where we left off and um, it's like we were never apart, really. So um, it, really, it really is, man. Like, it, it's, it's amazing what happens when you make such good friends when you're in college and you guys can be away for so long and pick right back up. Like Just nothing like... happened, man. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Well, that, that's how we met and we're going to go ahead and get this thing started. Let's go. Alright guys, welcome to first period. This whole segment right here is about to be about fantasy football. And we're going to run through it like a stardom sit-em set. And we're going to go ahead and start with the quarterback position. Hold on Eli, a little update from the previous week in fantasy. Oh man. I know you're trying to squeak by without that one. Yeah. Um, so I, I pulled out the win this week in our personal fantasy league. Uh, I, I was very worried when uh, my man, the Chargers running back, Melvin Gordon, when he didn't play, when he didn't play, I was like, oh, man, there it is. Eli, th this is yours right here. It's yours to win. And then um, the rest of my team picked it up. Uh, hey, uh, the rest of your team? You mean DeAndre? <laughs> DeAndre had 39. DeAndre made up for Melvin. Yeah, and then some. And then, you know, I got Juju and Cooper that – Cooper looked like he did get like he did against the Raiders yeah, when he when he yeah. played for us. That's exactly how so he looked. So going into Monday night, uh, we were chatting back and forth, and I think um, McCaffrey needed was it, he needed thirty six in order for me points. to draw a tie, and I would have won on the tiebreak, which he could have done because McCaffrey's had some huge games this year. But uh, I came out with uh, with the win. And uh, I don't remember the final scores, like 117, 105, something like that. Yeah, McCaffrey got me like 26 out of 36. I think I ended up, it was 117 to 107. Yeah, something like that. So, all right, uh, we're going to move into our uh, fantasy top picks and set them. So, start them and set them. We're doing um, top three on each side, and then we're going to throw in a sleeper. So, uh, we're touching on quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. Eli's going to. All right, now that Don got all that info out, we're going to go ahead and start with the quarterbacks. All right, my three stardoms for quarterback. I'm going to start with my number one. He's He should be everybody's number one, and that's Andrew Luck. Every week that guy goes out there, he's throwing for 300 yards. Now, he, come, but be honest, though. is it? Are you showing some neck beard love? Bro, I got to. I got to show, I, I gotta show some beard love. Okay. But on top of that, he's a guy, I don't know if he's got like a mechanical well, shoulder. Well, he had that surgery. I know. So maybe they gave him the, uh, what's my man, Terminator. I know, maybe man. That, Terminator they must have, man, because he's out there throwing darts from 50 yards away. Hey, let me clarify. Eli has a nice beard. He doesn't have the neck beard. He's got a nice beard. Hey, see, he's got to make up for bringing up the fantasy football game now. <laughs> but Andrew Luck against the Giants, like on top of him being one of the best quarterbacks in the league, he's going up against a team that traded away their top corner to New Orleans. Yeah. 
I mean, when you're doing that, they're, Giants are in rebuild mode. Absolutely. Uh, my number two, that's that's Mitchell Trubisky. He's kind of like that guy where he gets the right amount of points. Mm-hmm. He gets when he sucks throwing. Is he the ball. a game manager? I don't really think he's that much of a game manager. I think he's a gamer. I, I think. I think he's a gamer. Yeah. I think he he has the arm strength to make the plays. Yes. And I think when you get after him in the pocket, he has the ability to move the chains with his legs. Oh, for sure. And I'm I'm sure this comes as no surprise. I'm going with Baker Mayfield against your Bengals. Like Baker has been an absolute stud all year. Oh yes, and you know they they got rid of that guy that was holding them back. And, and then, uh, then your Bengals signed him. <laughs> and then my Bengals signed him. And you know, I'm hearing some stuff through the grapevine, whether it's true or not. I'm hearing that my Bengals are going to put Marvin Lewis in an office job and give the reins to uh, Hugh Jackson. To Hugh Jackson. If they uh, do that, they're that's a sad franchise. Absolutely, I agree. That, that's that's a level of mediocrity. I don't even know if the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA can reach. Right. Uh, so for my for my stardom, uh, my number one stardom is Baker Mayfield. Uh, he is solid, man, and he's going up against the Bengals' defense. You know, he's got something to prove. You guys saw in the media what he said about Hugh Jackson. Um, he's got something to prove. So I'm going Baker Mayfield to start him. Uh, Russell Wilson, Kansas City, that defense stinks. Mm-hmm. They stink bad. They're bad. Now, the, the Raiders dropped 30 on them. Right. Now, I know Russell. Uh, Russell's not always a huge numbers guy. But he, he can do it with his legs and his arm, and I'm, I'm going Russell Wilson stardom. Um, Dak Prescott at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay just does not have a good secondary, good pass defense. They don't. Not that Prescott is great by no means, but they're going to get the run game going. He'll get some action off the play action. He's going to have a solid game. Start Dak Prescott. All right, so now let's go ahead and move on to our sit portion of the quarterbacks. For me personally, I – my wife's a Purdue fan. Everybody that was listening to the first episode knows that. Drew Brees against Pitt. We all saw him struggle a little bit against Panthers. And yeah. that Panthers secondary is nothing special. Right. I mean, it, really, beyond the front seven of the Panthers, they've got nothing. In Pittsburgh, they're a lot like the Panthers, except they've got a couple good corners. Yeah. Might be able to make a play. And then my second sit Case Keenum against the Raiders. If this game was in Denver, he would he would be okay. This game's in Oakland. Oakland's defense plays a lot better at home. Look at what they did against the Steelers. They shut they down. Shut they yeah. shut them down. Shut them down. Shut them down. Yeah. yeah, I mean they they absolutely they made Antonio Brown look like he was non-existent. They <laughs> they took out the run game, but I think that was when they didn't have James Conner. But they still had that Samuel's kid. Right. Right. Yeah. And then we got then this is. Just the guy, man, he's, he's struggled this year, but it's because he doesn't have much help around him, and that's Aaron Rodgers. I, I, I don't know what's gotten into him, but that Jets defense, especially when they play in the Meadowlands, like, they can is, stop people. Is Aaron Rodgers a diva? I, dude, honestly, he reminds me – his persona reminds me so much of LeBron James. Yeah. Like, LeBron got that one David Blatt fired. Aaron yeah. Rodgers, I'm about 95% sure. I don't think everybody else can attest yeah, that. He, he got McCarthy fired. What – I don't like to go personal because these guys, you know, they, they typically keep their personal lives out of it. But uh, what, do you, what do you make of this stuff about his family? You know, his brothers made these public allegations that he's disowned his family. He doesn't see eye to eye with his mom and dad. What, how do you feel? What do you think? Uh, man, me personally, I think, I think Aaron Rodgers tries to – he does like what a lot of us guys do, man. He tries to compartmentalize his life. Yeah. He's got his personal life. Like, he dates that race car driver, Danica Patrick. Yeah, Danica Patrick. 
He has a he had, on that, right? Yeah, for real. And then he's got then he's got his family life. And honestly, he probably doesn't pay much attention to his family. I mean, he's in the limelight all the time with Danica Patrick and on a football field. Right. And he's he could be the governor of Wisconsin right now if he wanted to. If he wanted to, he could. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, but here's the deal with Aaron Rodgers, man. Like with the family, he, family's crazy. We, we've we've all got um, some crazy family members. I think uh, when you're on that level, um, you have a lot of open hands. And when you don't feed those open hands, then I think things like this happen. Is that to say he's a bad guy or not? No. I think that there is some truth to all of it. He could be, he very well could be a jerk. Um, He could be inconsiderate or whatever the case may be. But, you know, there could be some family issues there where they were like, hey, man, you know, I I have a business venture or, you know, give us some money. Whatever that is, you know, I think it's the truth is always somewhere in between. So it says. Uh, So my seven, Jeff Driscoll. He's a super athlete, but my Bengals are not going anywhere, and I don't care if the Browns' defense is mediocre. Do not start that guy. No. Nick Mullins is going to get eaten alive, and probably spit he's out. He's going to be seeing ghosts in the pocket, and Chicago, they're going to eat him up. Do yeah. not start Nick Mullins. I'd be surprised <coughs> if Chicago didn't end up with at least five or six sacks and Mac probably having about two or three. I wouldn't be surprised if Chicago's defense scored more than Chicago's offense. Yeah, now didn't did Chicago lose that safety? Didn't he get hurt last week? I can't uh, remember. I can't I can't remember. We'd have to fact check that. Yeah, we'll be all right. Uh Ryan Tannehill at Jacksonville. Um Tannehill is the king of mediocre. And Jacksonville, though that they though Jacksonville's dropped off, they're not very good. And I know the Miami's fighting for a playoff spot, but that Jacksonville secondary is still pretty solid. And uh, I'm going to sit Ryan Tannehill. Now, see, I'm going to lead into this because I've got a little sleeper pick for you there. Okay. On your sit em list, you put Tannehill. For me, I have him as a sleeper. Do you? Because it can go one of two ways. You can either have the Ryan Tannehill like you just talked about, the king of mediocrity. Mm-hmm. Literally, the middle-of-the-road guy might be lucky to get 10 points in a fantasy week. Or we could get the Ryan Tannehill that somehow lights up a secondary, yeah. ma- makes a couple miracle throws for some deep balls, but it just depends. And for me, I'm at this point in fantasy season, I'm almost willing to take a risk on him against a Jacksonville secondary that's proven they can kind of struggle a little right, bit. Right, right. Uh. My sleeper, I'm going strong again, Matt Stafford. And then if you pick him enough, uh, the odds will eventually weigh out, right? Yeah. They'll right. eventually work out to where it's at least even. Um, I mean, a broke clock is right twice, twice a day. Twice a day, right? <laughs> and the sun shines on a dog's butt every now and then, right? Um, I'm going Matt Stafford. Uh, he is he and Ryan, Ryan Tannehill, and there's a few others that you can throw in there. They're middle of the pack to back of the pack guys. There, you wouldn't be surprised if Miami drafted a, a quarterback early, and you wouldn't be surprised if Detroit drafted a quarterback early. Because those guys, you, you just don't know long-term what they have. Yeah. And, and like Eli said, they could be the reason you win the game, or they could be the reason you lose the game, which can be said about every player. But in a quarterback aspect, it, it's a little different. So uh, sit Matt Stafford. Um, we're going to roll on into the running backs. So... Uh, my top running backs, I'm going Kamara. I think uh, New Orleans is going to bounce back some. That defense, you know, they've uh, they've almost had like a Jekyll Hyde season. Um, 
and and the offense and defense had switched roles. Yeah. So like the first half of the season, or even almost the first two thirds of the season, that offense was phenomenal, man. And then you look at the last few games, the offense is non-existent, but that defense has stepped up. Uh, See, I'm so, a, I'm almost kind of wondering if it's not Sean Payton. I'm kind of thinking that the play calling and stuff yeah. on the offense. Ingram got mad at a couple of the play calls and actually like yelled at the sideline well, mid-game last night. And you know, there's a reason why they tried to sign uh, Des Bryant. Yeah. You know, they they're doubling my man Thomas, mm-hmm. and they don't have a lot of other talent to line up opposite of him. Well, um, and, the, and the talent they do have is average. Yeah. Like especially yeah. in that receiving core. I'm going. Uh, I'm going to go start Kamara because I think Pittsburgh. They're playing. Uh, they're playing in Pittsburgh. Is that right? No, they're playing in New Orleans. They're playing in New Orleans. Okay, so they'll have the upper hand there. But uh, either way, I think it's going to be similar to that Monday night game. I think it's going to be field position, run game, and I think Kamara has an opportunity to get some big numbers. Uh, Gus Edwards at the Chargers. Um, I just think he's a good start this week. Chargers are average at best, so let's go Gus Edwards. And then Lamar Miller playing Philadelphia. Phillies has nothing to play with, uh, or nothing to play for, and um, Miller's just solid. I think that they'll run run some play action. It'll get uh, Watson going, but I think Miller will have some solid numbers. Didn't he break like a ninety nine yard touchdown or something this year? Yeah, it was either I think yeah, it was, was either ninety nine or it was no, it was ninety seven because Henry Henry's the one that broke, broke the ninety nine. Yeah, so Miller's had a solid year. Um, I'm gonna say start Lamar Miller. So. All right, my three stardoms. Uh, you know, with Cam Newton, uh, we just got the news a few hours ago that he's going to be out the rest of the year, which is probably a good thing. Ever ever since that Thursday night game against Pittsburgh, sure. his shoulder has been jacked up. He can't make routine throws that he's made for years. Mm-hmm. And that's third shoulder surgery? I don't know. I don't think it's been a surgery. I think this. I think he's done a couple like rest and relaxations. Mm-hmm. I think he's kind of ta- he's going to end up having an Andrew Luck situation where he's going to have Six, to have a surgery, yeah. and that's going to suck for us. But good news is we'll stock up on good pl- good talent. Yeah, hopefully, but my stardom has to be Christian McCaffrey against the Falcons, just like for the it. basic fact that he carried you this year. Yeah, he <laughs> but, <laughs> between him carrying me and the fact that they're going up against that Falcons. Who else do you give the ball? Exactly, like they're going to have to run the ball. They're going to have and they always throw to him. They Cam is always good for checking down yeah. to him. Always good. And then when they check down to him enough, he runs a wheel up the sideline, he gets a big one. Uh, my second stardom is your fa- should be your favorite guy, Tariq Cohen for the Bears. Yes, I love him, but uh, I just he he's solid. You know, when he gets the touches, check down or run plays either way, he, he puts up big numbers. He does. And then the third start for me has got to be Marlon Mack. Uh, you know, I called that last week. I, I said Marlon Mack – when you get him outside and let him run, he does amazing things. They let him get outside. They made the Cowboys get shut out. And all the memes on the internet were absolutely lighting into Dak Prescott. <laughs> right. And the clapping god known as Jason Garrett couldn't, couldn't clap his way out it's of a okay, shutout. It's okay, buddy. It's okay. Yeah, he couldn't clap his way out of that shutout. Um, and then our, my sit You know, I'm, I'm a Raiders fan. Yeah. And – we talked about Doug Martin a little bit last week. Mm-hmm. Doug Martin against that Broncos defense, man, he's he's old. Mm-hmm. He's too tiny. Mm-hmm. He's a step too slow. Even them playing in Oakland, mm-hmm. anybody can chase him down. Like right. he, he doesn't have breakaway speed. He's not big enough to carry a backer. 
he's a definite sit him for me because I think if the Raiders have any chance of winning, it's going to come through the air. Yeah. And it's going to rely on Jared Cook more than likely. Mm-hmm. Uh, my next sit him, and this should be a no-brainer for anybody that's done fantasy football, but really there's so many good fantasy matchups that this one was just kind of out there and I had to say it was LaShawn McCoy against the Patriots. Mm-hmm. If you start LaShawn McCoy – the way Buffalo's played this year, <laughs> their running backs have not done crap. No. And when they're playing against the Patriots, nobody's going to do anything. You know, one of my favorite games I've ever watched was, uh, I can't remember if it was a Sunday night or a Monday night game. It was the Eagles versus the Lions. And I don't remember, I believe it was, uh, I don't remember where it was played. Um, but they played in like a foot of snow. And Shady McCoy. Yeah, that, they were in Philly. Yeah, Shady McCoy just dominated, man. Loved yeah. it. That was one of my favorite games. I'll always remember that. Just seeing him run through the snow with snow up to like his knees. Man. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, and then this one might come as a shocker, but the way the Colts' defense stopped Ezekiel Elliott, and a lot of guys are comparing this guy to Ezekiel Elliott, I've got to go with Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Saquon Barkley is going to be matched up against Darius Leonard. Darius Leonard is probably going to win Defensive Rookie of the Year for the Colts. Yeah. He's, he's one of the best linebackers. Did he get snubbed on? Uh, he got snubbed for the Pro Bowl. He, uh, yeah, he did. Somehow he got him. He got left he off the list. Led the league in tackles. Led the league in tackles. And got rookie. left off. And then oh, and then it gets even better because they managed to leave Alvin Kamara off there too. But the Pro Bowl, right. the Pro Bowl is pretty much a joke no, anymore. It's, it's like almost, is it a popularity contest or it, is it a statistic? I don't think what it's. Max a, there's no way that there can be a statistic. You know, it's got to be fans. Your man Luke Keekley. Yeah. Love him. Mm-hmm. He didn't have that good of a year. My man deserved it over Keekly. Yeah, he did. He hands he hands down did because Keekly. more tackles. Yeah, Keekly. more solo tackles. Keekly will straight up tell you, and because he's a he's, he's a humble a guy, like he'll straight up tell you, you if know, I play better, we win more. I tell you what, Keekly, Keekly worries me long term. That guy has had a lot of head trauma. Yeah. And that guy plays with so much heart and emotion, and I love him like. Mm-hmm. You can you cannot question his effort or his ability, but long term I worry about that guy because he he's leaving it all out there on the field. Dude, I worry about a lot of those Panthers. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. a lot of them. Um, my settle. If you're an SEC fan, SEC fan, you probably don't want to hear any of this. Um, Todd Gurley at Arizona. I don't think he's going to put up much. I don't. You know, if he puts up 150 yards, I'll eat my words. Okay, I don't think he's going to have a great game. Mm-hmm. Fournette at Miami. Fournette is never healthy. Flip a coin. Is he playing? Yeah, man. It's it's honestly hard to tell. I had him all year, and I think he played in a whopping five games. Right. So, set him. Um, Derrick Henry, Redskins. Is he going to have 47 points, or is he going to have seven? Mm-hmm. Set him. Are they, are, are they going to give Deion Lewis Who's the hand? The like, yeah. Right. So, set him. Um, my sleeper, Rashad Penny. We're going to roll with Rashad Penny. Yeah, I, I actually like that pick because yeah. – Trying to remember Seattle. Who who are they going up against? Oh, who we have? We got to hear. Oh, they're going up against Kansas City. Kansas City and Kansas City's defense. They're like what thirty first in the, the league. league. Yeah, <laughs> but I say nobody watches Kansas City for no. defense. So we're gonna slide on down here to the wide receivers, man. Um, speaking of Kansas City, who uh, who's Seattle's number one receiver? It's got to be Doug Baldwin. Is it Doug Baldwin. Mm-hmm. You know what, man? I say you have to start Doug Baldwin. Yeah, that RPO that Russell Wilson runs, and Doug Baldwin—he's not the fastest guy, he's not the biggest guy, he's Mister Consistent. Yep, and he can catch the ball. He, you know, you—if you give him a chance, he'll catch the ball. He runs solid routes. He's a good player. You start Doug Baldwin, um, DeAndre Hopkins, man. How how do you not? 
You know, that's my MVP of my fantasy league. I didn't even draft. Yeah. I drafted every single player, but my number one pick, and my number one pick was DeAndre Hopkins. Who you, who you auto pick stole so, from me. Everybody, right? <laughs> so DeAndre Hopkins against Philly, start the guy. Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown. Now, I believe in Antonio. I believe um, some of this negative media attention um, from everything from, uh, what's his name, the running back? Le'Veon, Le'Veon Bell. Bell. Uh, and then Antonio Brown has had some words on Twitter. You know, you see the, the thing where he was like, um, trade me, see what happens, or something along those lines. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe him and Big Ben aren't seeing eye to eye. Maybe him and Mike Tomlin aren't seeing eye to eye. But I say um, Antonio Brown start him. See, I, do, I just don't know about Antonio just for the basic fact that him and Juju have had to split so much this year yeah. that one game Antonio might get 10 catches, and then, but then Juju gets nothing. And then one game Juju will get it all, Brown gets nothing. Yeah. But, I, but definitely for me this week, championship weekend, risk is worth the game. Uh, my start at receiver. I've got to stick with the Colts, man. I've been I've been high on the Colts this year because that Frank Reich, man, he he knows what he's doing. So I, my start at receiver, I'm going with T Y, baby, T Y against the Giants, man. He is the best deep threat in football. The man is the man's a whopping like five eleven, five five like ten, five eleven, man. And he's a he's tiny, man. He you know he's had like two two hundred yard receiving games oh, yeah. this year. This year, but who talks about him? Nobody, because it, because it's it, it's in the Midwest. Like if he was, if the Colts were still in Baltimore, oh, you realize how much publicity they get. Oh, yeah. But then my second start, I'm at receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, just kind of running off of what you yeah. said, man. He's he's Mr. Consistent. Absolutely. If he's going to go out there every game and give you you know ten catches, a hundred plus yards, and a touchdown or two. How could you not start? Yeah, him? how do you bet against them? You don't. And then just because of the Keenan Allen injury, I'm and seeing what they did on Thursday with this guy, Mike Williams. Yeah. I watched him dominate my Gamecocks at Clemson for mm-hmm. four years. It was a miserable existence because he's a giant. He's he's, he's a six, five, yeah. He's a skinnier Calvin Johnson mm-hmm. with the same kind of catch ratings. Mm-hmm. And it's and speed. And he's got speed, he's got power. He's just mm-hmm. instead of being big and bulky, he's skinnier. And lean. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is that leanness helps with his speed. Mm-hmm. Well, that's uh And then we'll go ahead and lead into my sitem. Okay. Now I, I hate doing this just because I feel like I'm bashing an entire core of guys. But until they get a quarterback in Jacksonville, I would not start a single Jacksonville receiver. I don't care if it's Moncrief, Westbrook. For all I care, you got Keelan Cole. I would not start him just because I think Cody Kessler ended up with like 57 yards passing last game. How are you an NFL quarterback and only throw for 57 yards? Well, I mean, ask Nathan Peterman, right? Yeah, yeah, the Raiders just signed him. (laughs) That's how desperate we are. All right, and then I've got this Rucker kid for Buffalo. You know, he is so big play oriented Mm -hmm. that Josh Allen with that cannon of a right arm, if he's not getting the deep ball, you know, at least 30-plus yards downfield, he's not catching He's not catching it. Rucker against New England. You think that's because he's young and he's not developed a great route running yet? I I don't think he's developed the route tree that he needs to be in the NFL, but I think the routes that he does – He's a young quarterback. Yeah, and I I think the routes that he does know, he runs great. Like – because he's really good at running those crossing routes. He's real good at running flies. Mm-hmm. And he's able to get open. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, pl- short. yeah, I mean, they're playing New England. Yeah. New England's going to keep the ball in front of them. Mm-hmm. 
And that's even with the McCourty brothers and Gilmore. Right. I mean, they're just that's just how, what they do. They keep mm-hmm. you short. Yep. Make they dare you to try and make a big play. Yeah. And then I'm going to say sit Michael Crabtree this week. Uh, you know the Ravens wide receivers have been darn near useless yeah, since I mean, Lamar Jackson's taken over. They're running a. a uh, I'm having a brain fart here. Um, it, you, run a, you line a running back up. At quarterback. Oh, uh, what is it? Wildcat. Wildcat. It, it's mo- it, a wildcat. Yeah, it used to be. It used to be called single wing back in the yeah. day, but they had to modernize it. Yeah. But really, like with with these receivers in Baltimore, like this is no knock on Lamar Jackson. I think it's more of a knock on Harbaugh. Harbaugh has not done a whole lot with him this year, or they would trust him with a little more of the playbook. Do you think he contacted his brother and and asked? Um, when you made it to the Super Bowl with Colin Kaepernick, what was the trick? I think he had to, like, because yeah. I mean, are they not very similar? They they're almost identical because Alex Smith was very much like this, but I think they, I think even Alex Smith threw more than Lamar Jackson did. Yeah, like, yeah. like I don't know if it's like they're scared that he's going to throw a pick, or if they're scared that he's going to do something stupid because well, he's a rookie. You notice he doesn't a lot of passes that require touch. He doesn't really have those yet. Yeah. So it's dump off to the running back, or it's typically a shot over the top. Yep. And, yeah. Um, so my settles, we're looking at Julian Edelman at Buffalo. Buffalo's not very great, but Buffalo's defense is decent. Um, the Patriots, Tom Brady, what the hell is going on? Uh, set Edelman. Devontae Parker in Jacksonville. Jacksonville's not a good team, but they still have a solid defense. Well, and that, if they put Jalen Ramsey on – Parker. Oh, it's that, game over. Yeah, and and that's if Ramsey plays like he has these past couple weeks. Yeah, like that guy's a head case, isn't he? Yeah, I think he is, man. He's been Fifty Shades of Crazy this yeah, year. Yeah, man, if you're going to talk that talk, you got to back it up. Yeah, and for him to even say some of the comments he did about those quarterbacks, he had to know that they were going to come for him. Oh, yeah, and he deserves it. He and, does. Yeah, you know, um, eat your words, basically. Yeah. Mike Williams. Mike Williams, Baltimore. Can't bet against that defense. I know that. I know he was your uh, – you picked him as your starter, didn't you? Yeah. Um – you know, with the number one going down and him getting more targets, I see that. But uh, I think it's going to be an ugly game. I think that it's going to be played at Baltimore's pace, and it's just going to be an ugly game. See, for me, it, I think it's sort of like where we were on Tannehill. Which guy are we going to get? Are we going to get the Mike Williams we saw last week? Yeah. Or are we going to get the Mike Williams that I had earlier in our fantasy season that I was lucky to get a catch in 10 yards out of? Right. It, so now we got our sleeper picks. For me – I absolutely love this guy just because since the Texans got him, they have been able to open the field mm-hmm. up for Hopkins. Mm-hmm. And that's Demarius Thomas against the Eagles. Mm-hmm. The Eagles have no corners, and it's not because they don't physically have them. All of them are on the IR. <laughs> right. Like I feel like between you know the Eagles and the Raiders, there have been more injuries between those two teams than any other teams in the league. I'm going John Ross with A.J. Green out. Um, I think he's in, you know, Driscoll, young quarterback. I think John Ross has uh, potential to be a sleeper. Mm-hmm. I can see that. All right, so let's move on to our tight ends. And this should, this should wrap it up for our fantasy segment after we get through this one. Uh, my stardom for my tight ends, I told you all last week, there's like four to five tight ends every week. Yeah. Yeah, I mean – Everything else beyond that five. I think there's you're out of one. Life. You know, Travis Kels is eight years ago Jimmy Graham. Yes. You know, um, that can dance. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> a little swagger. Yeah, you know? and but Eric Ebron this year, like he's cracked into that list because last year or the last few years he's been with Detroit. They didn't throw to him. No. Like, 
And well, I, could he block long enough to stay on the field? Yeah. I mean, and so the Ebron against the Giants, sort of like with the Colts. I'm just going to have to stick with the Colts. All their skill position guys are going to have favorable matchups. Absolutely. Uh, so Ebron against the Giants is a must start. Then I have everybody's favorite, Travis Kelsey. Yep. Uh, I've got him against Seattle because – who are they, they going to guard him with? Nobody. Yeah, I mean Bobby Wagner's an inside backer. He's going to be on. He's going to be on whoever they decide to have at running back, yeah. and that's really all they have in the linebacking core. And then, Mister Reliable for Oakland, I'm going to go with Jared Cook uh, against Denver because really safety net. Yeah, I mean Carr is going to throw to him, and in Oakland, Cook and Carr are known to have chemistry in Oakland. Yeah. Um, I'm rolling uh, very similar. Very similar. Uh, Travis Kelce must start. Travis Kelce is really he's their number one receiver. Um, you know whether the statistics I don't know what the statistics say, but he is a receiver basically on the field. And um, well, they run him out of the slot so much. He's he's pretty much just an overweight receiver. Basically, uh, we're rolling with Ebron, man. Giants aren't very good. Ebron's gonna put up numbers. Uh, and then here's where we differ. Gronkowski is tough. Tom Brady's had a bad week. You know, I know I, earlier, what the hell's going on with Tom Brady? Um, does he get it together? And who is Tom Brady's safety net? Uh, dude, it, it, if it's – I feel with Brady this year, he's almost been scared to pinpoint Gronk because then he starts blowing up Edelman. And then when he blows up Edelman too much, he tries to come back to Gronk. And then he tries to throw to Josh Gordon, but you got to wonder if Josh Gordon's like jittery. You know the playbook, yeah. you know. I don't know. Yeah. No, no uh, knock on Josh Gordon. He just came half mid-season, and you know. Yeah. Um, my settles, uh, my tight end settles. Reed, Tennessee. Um, oh, Reed that that Jordan, Reed, that Jordan Jordan Reed, Reed from um, Redskins, playing at Tennessee. <clears throat> Uh, that quarterback, the young guy, Josh Johnson. Josh Johnson. Um, he, only, he only threw for like 150 yards last yeah, week. Yeah, and you know he was solid. He got out of the pocket. He made some runs. Made some plays with his legs. But uh, you know the tight end typically is a safety net. Uh, but I don't like the I don't like Reed. Don't start Reed. Um, Antonio Gates, dude's been in the league forever, uh, forever and ever. I think he didn't he pass the uh, touchdown mark of Tony Gonzalez. If he didn't, he's got he he's got to be close if he hasn't already. Um, against Baltimore. Don't play them. Baltimore's defense is solid. Oh, man, that, that linebacking core in Baltimore, that, that's going to be a tough one. And then I'm rolling with Ian Thomas at Atlanta. Dude, I would the only Panther I would even bother starting this week is McCaffrey. McCaffrey. Like, that, that is literally it because yeah. he is going to be the utility knife, the Swiss Army knife mm-hmm. of the entire team. Uh, my sit-ems at tight end this week. Uh, I'm going to say Jimmy Graham, man. He's yeah. like this year in Green Bay, everybody was like, oh, my God, he's, he's, playing, with, he's playing with Aaron Rodgers. He's going to be great. Watch all the Hail Marys. <laughs> but the problem is they haven't got the chance to really utilize him because they're never in the red zone. Yeah. And when they are in the red zone, they've got to run the ball because Aaron Rodgers has to run for his life. Yeah, they haven't. They haven't been able to let those longer routes develop. Even just an extra second, let you know, giving a guy an extra second to develop into that route makes a big difference. Yeah, I mean, and he's going up against the Jets. I mean, the Jets, they might suck on offense, and Sam Darnold looks like a, you know, Ray Charles <laughs> yeah. trying to throw a football sometimes. But that's just, they're just not going to score. Like, if that game's going to come out ugly, like 12-9, 9-6, and Graham's not going to score. Yeah. 
then I got Kyle Rudolph against Detroit. Like, I honestly thought with Kirk Cousins going to Minnesota, Rudolph was going to get blown up because of yeah. Vernon Davis and Ed Reed in Always. Washington. They did. Oh, but I like, I don't know if it was the offensive play calling or if Cousins was just like, well, oh, they, I don't want to throw to you. Thielen they, and Diggs are always open. Yeah. Um, they had a little better of a week last week. The, but, yeah. I, uh, I mean, it just wasn't enough. I mean, Diggs only got me, like, 14, and Rudolph ended up getting a decent amount, but Cousins still played. Play well. I mean, for an $84 million man, he looked like yeah. a $10 million yeah. man. Yeah. Was that Andy Dalton or Kirk Cousins? Exactly. And then it, we both agreed on uh, Jordan Reed for Washington against that Tennessee defense, man. Tennessee – Stout. Yeah. I think Mike Vrabel can still put the pads on and go out he there could. and stop some people. Yeah, he could. He'd probably give you a hell of a pep talk, too. Yeah. And then my sleeper pick for the week, and, you know, I'm going out on a limb because he only got targeted twice last week. But to be fair, they were playing the Giants. They got up big early. They didn't really need to throw it after that. Mm-hmm. They really just threw to him to get first downs. Right. To and, move the chains. Yeah, I mean, he caught both of his targets, and he ended up getting two catches for 27 yards, and that's mm-hmm. Stalker for Tennessee. Stocker. So if he's free in your league this week, I would pick him I would pick him up against the Redskins because I feel like the Redskins are going to make a big emphasis on trying to stop the run with Henry and Lewis. That they're gonna, the Titans are gonna have to throw the football, yeah. and they're and they don't really have a whole lot of good coverage linebackers. They're more of like a fill gaps and stop run type of linebacking group. Uh, I'm going with Jesse James. I'm going, uh, you know, Pittsburgh playing the Saints. I'm going Jesse James. He's gonna get you a touchdown this week and probably give you about maybe ten points, um, if not right there at it. I'm going Jesse James is my sleeper. So uh, that's uh, that concludes the. Uh, fantasy segment now we're going to move on to our second period all right so we're moving into second period uh we're going to talk a little wvu football a little background knowledge on will greer a lot of it you guys probably already know um and we're to touch on a few other uh wvu topics so um will greer the man of the hour everyone is loving him or hating him um I don't think it's fair to, to necessarily hate the man. He's one of the best quarterbacks that we've had come through the University of West Virginia in a really long time. Uh, Geno Smith put up big numbers. He was a solid guy. kind of brought us back nationally, put us back on the map. Um, so, you know, as most of you guys know, he had – Will Greer started at uh, Florida, 6-0, and and then he got popped for some PEDs. Um, the stuff that he was claimed to take uh, – have taken – was a, a chemical very similar to what D-ball is. Um, and D-ball is an anabolic steroid. Um, but when you're looking at the, the, chemistry, um, the chemistry of drugs, you know, if you change a couple ingredients here and there, you can pass it off as something else, but it's still going to pop on a drug test. So when he was tested, he assumed he was drinking uh, a recovery drink from a local shop down in Florida, but it turns out he was actually drinking something very similar to D-Ball. So the NCAA did not like that, and they banned him. Uh, suspended for, was he suspended for a whole year? So uh, there was a, another uproar with that as well, because we weren't sure last year if he was going to be ready game one or if he was going to have to sit out an additional six games. Mm-hmm. So the NCAA allowed him to use his one, game, or his one year and six game suspension because um, he set out the year when he transferred to WVU. So, yep. uh, you know, I can say, uh, as far as the banned substance list goes, when I was in college, uh, you know, I, I've always been big into the weights, uh, never taken any performance-enhancing drugs, but I, I did take some ZMA. 
zinc and magnesium, right? Yep. Um, and it's a sleep aid, and it's supposed to aid in recovery. Well, I was sitting on the uh, table one day talking to my trainer, Carrie, you know, mm-hmm. Carrie talking to Carrie. Um, and I was like, yeah, you know, Carrie, uh, I got a new flavor of protein, and uh, you know, I've been taking this ZMA. She was like, oh, yeah, what's in that ZMA? And she looks at it. She starts reading the ingredients, and she's like, um, you probably want to stop taking this. Yeah. You know, you have your yearly physical and your yearly drug test coming up, and um, you probably should stop taking this. <laughs> Over-the-counter ZMA, right, with banned substances on the NCAA list. That's how easy it is to get caught up. Um, you know, you never know what the guy at the supplement shop is trying to sell you. You never know what these, uh, these big companies are trying to put into their products. Um, so, you know, just a little food for thought. Mm-hmm. Will Greer is a family man. Um, you know, he's got a beautiful wife he and, a, and, a, and a family. Well, so she, guys, she was a Tampa Bay cheerleader, Tampa wasn't she? Tampa Bay cheerleader, yes, she was. Um, that Buccaneers games would have been fun. Wouldn't they? Um, so, you know, they met, and after two years, they got married, and uh, they had a daughter. And I'm probably going to butcher this name. Alois, does that sound about right? It's either Alois or Eloise. Eloise, one, Eloise. One, one of the two. Cool. But, um, you know, a lot of guys call Weir, Will Greer the old man. The old I, man. I can believe that, because he's like a year or so older than everybody, else. Everybody isn't he? else, right. And he's, he's methodical in everything he does. Yeah, I can see that. You can see that anytime he touches the field. He's always prepared. Um, spot on passer, man. Super accurate. Uh, that pass against Texas is going to be ingrained in my head for the rest of my life. That pass to Jennings. Jennings running through the back of the end zone. And then, of course, you got that announcer for Fox Sports screaming his head off. Oh, yeah, he's going crazy. <laughs> um, but would you know that Will Greer is not the most popular person in his family? Per social media. Yeah, his brother is like a YouTuber or something, isn't he? Yeah, his both brothers, right? So both brothers have... And sisters, both brother and his sisters have uh, an extreme Instagram fan base. and um, Social media game strong. Right. You know, um, there are tidbits, you know, you can find online about Greer where uh, he's like, you know, I can walk down the street just fine. But my siblings, they walk down the street and, you know, they're signing autographs or whatever. You know, they got 10 million followers on Instagram. You watch. He's going, Will Greer's going to end up on Dude Perfect and never look back. Absolutely. He'd be perfect, <laughs> wouldn't he? <laughs> yes. um, so one of the most interesting things that I found on Greer, uh, he has the, the single game pass yards for uh, a single playoff game in North Carolina. So he went to a school outside of Charlotte in North Carolina in high school. And as a junior, he threw for 837 yards and 10 touchdowns in a single game. One game, he threw for 830 yards. And Charlotte high school football is no joke, man. Mm -hmm. That's why growing up in Charleston, we used to make a point to go play South Point High School out of Rock Hill, Northwestern out out of Rock Hill. Both of them, because they were on the South Carolina state line, mm-hmm. but they were so close to Charlotte, they would go play against Will Greer's high school and all these other right. schools, and they would get their teeth kicked in up there, but they'd come back, and they were playing for state titles in South Carolina. Right. And that's, that's just the level of football difference. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's controversy with Will Greer and his situation. Uh, one bone that I do have to pick is uh, he's setting out the bowl game, but he signed up for the senior bowl game. Now, see, I'm not too upset about that one. Like, really, the senior bowl, mm-hmm. that's more he gets to work one-on-one 
with NFL coaches for an entire week of practice. They're go- he's going to be working with guys that he's going to be seeing at the combine. Some of them are probably going to be future teammates. Right. And you know there there are all kinds of guys spread out all over college football that are invited to this game. Absolutely. Like, and it's it's <laughs> the best of the best there. It is. And what's really funny is there's actually a kid from the University of Charleston from up here in, in out, out of the MEC that's going to yeah. the Senior Bowl and playing. It's down in Alabama. You can watch on NFL Network. Uh, Will Greer's probably going to go down there, and if he impresses some coaches and he plays like you know he's capable did, of. Gino played solid in the Senior Bowl, didn't he? He did. I mean, that, if, correct me if I'm wrong. That helped with his draft stock. It did. And then you got Baker Mayfield last year. Baker Mayfield. Everybody was kind of like him and hawing on what, whether he was going to be a good NFL quarterback. He goes to the Senior Bowl, impresses the Browns, mm-hmm. and that got him. First round, first pick. Yeah. He was a one-one. I guess, um, for me, I understand prepping for the next level, uh, and I understand what the Senior Bowl encompasses and, and what it will allow him to do and showcase his skills. But, uh, and you know, I, I do not think that he should play in the Camping World Bowl, but uh, I guess it just kind of leaves a, a bad taste in your mouth to see, hey, you're going to skip out on this bowl game, which is a nothing bowl, I understand that, and still go play in a bowl game. Um, is it a little selfish, perhaps, uh, do I blame him? No. Would I do the same thing? Yes. Yeah. See, like for me, because on top of that, we don't know where, because every, every guy getting ready for the NFL and, and the Senior Bowl and all this stuff, they're going to go do their prep somewhere. Right. If I had to take a guess, Will Greer's probably going to go somewhere in Florida. He, he's Where's probably, he's yeah. from Charlotte, right? Yeah, he's from, he, but he, his, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's got roots in Florida. He's yeah. going to, he's going to probably go down to like Miami, yeah. work out down there for the next mm-hmm. couple months. Mm-hmm. And then he's going to go to the play in the Senior Bowl. Yep, and he's going to come back and do West Virginia Pro Bowl or Pro Day. Yeah, sure. And then he's got the combine there in what February? Yeah. I mean, he's he's the good. next uh, six months. No, the next three months of his life are going to be jam packed with football. Yeah. Nonstop because yeah. drafts in April. Mm-hmm. And um, between the Senior Bowl. And then he's got uh, private workouts all March. Right, the whole yeah. So. So I mean, it's not like he gave up on West Virginia. West some West Virginia fans have just given up on him. And the Senior Bowl, they call it a bowl. But it's really not. It's like an all-star game. Yeah, basically, yeah, you know, yeah. For you local guys, uh, what's the local... Uh, they have the North-South game. The North-South game. That's basically what that is. Yep. You know? um, well, switch gears here. Check out, uh, we got uh, some, is it news or is it not news? I mean, Dana Holgerson had a had a press conference today. And uh, what what did we read about there? Uh, he, he just kind of went over, like, some of the injury news. Uh, I think we found out about Greg Jennings, you know. Greg Jennings. He, he, he kind of fell off there towards the last end of the year. Spring. Yep. Yeah. Spring. yeah, that last half of the year, he just didn't have that same explosiveness like we saw. And, and we, Jennings, it made sense. I think Greg Jennings' next level makes his money moving the chains. Yeah. I think he's going to be like a uh, Jarvis Landry type. I think. I can see it. Uh, like, I think he's going to be like a one-step-quicker Jarvis Landry. Because Landry, because yeah. Landry was like, work. yes, that's a, that might be even better comparison. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we even heard about some quarterback news. What is going on here now? Like, is this a gimmick? Are they running this real deal? Here's the thing. So, they're, they're talking about Trey Lowe and Jack Allison splitting reps. Yeah. Now, originally going into this week, the Jack Allison kid's a transfer from Miami. Right. You know, he, he I think he's a sophomore. Yeah. He's probably going to be more versed in everything going on. And I think the low guy, I think he's he, he's either a freshman or a redshirt freshman. Mm-hmm. But with Allison, like, in low, they're going to try and split reps with him. Let me ask you this. Is Holgerson doing this so one of them doesn't transfer? I don't think he's doing it for a transfer reason. I think he just kind of wants to see what the hell he's getting. Right. But if you think if he goes with one or the other, you think the other is likely to transfer? 
is he doing this to breed competition through the spring and the summer? And then even then, is he doing a disservice to whatever kid? Because maybe now he already knows. Or is he doing it just to drive competition? Hey, you know, I could maybe, knowing Holgerson's personality, I could see him trying to light a fire under yeah. one of them. Yeah. I, I could see that. Cause well, and we know from experience, competitiveness drives greatness. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And, and you know, Holgerson, you got to love the guy. He's, he's going to get the best out of his guys every week. Now some other news that Brady. we that, that we saw. Impressive news. Yeah, I, I like. Yeah, I do too. You know, uh, Spavadol he left and went to what Texas State. Texas State, good it, news. Yeah. Now, so, now so, respect to the guy. Uh, anyone that comes from a Dana Holgerson coaching tree, I wish success. Yes. Right now, maybe he didn't get it. You know, maybe. It's not necessarily his coaching tree, but, you know, he, he was here as our coordinator before he got his coaching job. Yeah, and, you know, they're bringing over the wide receiver coach, and apparently the wide receiver coach is one of our better recruiters, oh, yeah. and it's this Tyrone Carey. one of our very better coaches. Yeah, I mean. David Sills? Yeah. You said he's wide receiver. Yeah. Where did he sign? Where did he sign in eighth grade? Oh, man, he signed to USC. At, to play what position? Quarterback, man, quarterback. And then now here he is, probably going to be a top – Four round, maybe a third round draft pick. Yeah, guaranteed money in there, and so, going to make some money and some noise in the NFL. See, I think Jennings, I think Jennings and Sills both. I think they're both going to do well at the next level. I think Sills isn't going to quite be the big <laughs> play guy. I think he's going to be I think, a Jordy Nelson. Um, Jordy think, Nelson with yeah, Green Bay. Yeah, yeah, I could do that. Um, I think Sills and Jennings are going to have way more success than Bailey and Tavon. That's no discredit to Bailey and Tavon because Bailey and Tavon set the world on fire. I mean, if, if Bailey doesn't have that gunshot issue in, that happened when he went yeah. home, I think he's having a better career. Now, I'm glad he tried to make a comeback. Yeah. yeah. But I think he just needs he's, to um, coach. He's doing speaking engagements and things like that now. He's uh, he's trying to re- reach out to the youth. He's uh, Yeah, he's doing stuff like that. I really support that. Um, and is Tavon even with Dallas anymore? He is, but he's not. You know, I mean, love the guy, but... I don't know what it is. He's just not panned out. Yeah. He just hasn't. And that's okay. Yeah, I mean, not everybody is meant to be an NFL player. Some people are meant to be used as an example. Exactly. You know, and, um, hey, if you're not grinding every day, day in, day out, somebody is. Yes. Somebody is. That's what used to drive me. You know, I played small-time ball, but I always had this thing in the back of my head. Well, if I'm not going to make this 500 jump shots today, somebody else is. Yeah, exactly. Um, So, you know, we we all have our things. Um, So, today, we had a lot of commits. Um. We're just going to kind of do a rundown of uh, oh yeah because today because that's right today was National Early Signing Day National now, Early Signing and now kids can still sign after this mm-hmm. but it, like this was the first day that they could actually sign their letter mm-hmm. and get everything lined out so some of these kids can actually enroll on campus at, right now if they need to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so uh, we're just going to go back and forth here uh, we're not going to go too in depth uh, I'll go ahead and start us off so signed letter of intent. We got Osita Smith from Wild Lake, Columbia, Maryland. This guy's a safety, 6'2", 205, coming in as a four-star athlete. See, I'm kind of thinking of him like a Carl Joseph. He Carl can... Joseph, yeah, I like it. Yeah. Uh, Kaiser White, too, something like that, yeah. And then we got this Dreshen Miller. Man, I can't. I butchered that Dreshen? first name. Yeah, roll with it. Yeah, but he, I think he's going to be a good one. He's 
a pretty lanky DB. He's yeah. going to be a corner, probably end up being a safety, depending yeah. on how quick he is. How and how much he grows. Yeah, because I mean he's six two, buck seventy five. I'd say start out at a corner if he puts on any weight, bump him to safety. Yeah, and he's coming out of a JUCO here and uh, there in Eastern Arizona. Yeah, and you said that they uh, they typically out there produce some athletes. Yeah, dude, those Arizona JUCOs, they're they're about like last chance you. I feel like them and those Kansas JUCOs are always in the hunt for the title. Um. Tyke or Tyke Smith uh, out of Emotep. Emotep Institute, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. See, um, there have been some good athletes come out of that school. Yeah, this uh, this guy is uh, safety coming in at 5'11", 187. He's a three-star recruit. Um, so the, the top recruit, Drashun Miller, um, was nationally number number nine. Is that correct? Yeah, national, national number nine. Number nine at his position. And uh, Osita Smith... He was a national 295, so a top 300. Pretty solid. Yeah. Uh, then we got this Winston Wright kid out of Savannah, Georgia. He went to Memorial Day High School, which is actually one of the better high schools in the state of Georgia. I mean, he's 5'11", a buck 54. He has him listed as an athlete. athlete. If I had to take a guess based on, it, based on his weight, they're probably going to redshirt him this year. Yeah. And then let him bulk up and then figure out whether what side of the ball he's going to play and what position. Yeah, some kids, they just, some kids flash that athleticism and, and potential. And, you know, maybe he played both sides of the ball and you don't know what suits him best. But he'll get in here in the program, he'll get acclimated, and I'm sure he'll make an impact. Oh, yeah. Um, Parker Moore. Parker Moorer. Am I saying that right? Um, yeah, it looks like it. <laughs> Mallard Creek, Charlotte, North Carolina. Now, that's the same area where Will Greer went to high school. Mallard Creek. Yeah. Strong. She's a strong side defensive end. He's, okay. he's, he's going to be the guy that anchors that side of the line whenever they're running at him. Okay. So, he's a big guy. He's running 6'5", 294. That's a three-star recruit coming in. Um, that's a big dude. Big dude. You're talking about an 18-year-old that's 6'5", 300 pounds. Yeah. So. And then we got this Taj Austin out of Kapaya Lincoln Community College in Weston, Mississippi. He's a weak side DN, so he's probably going to be... A leaner. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be a lean guy, but he's going to be a Bruce Irvin. He's going to yeah. be a guy that gets after get the after quarterback. Because he can get that guy on his blind side each time. Hey, he's a three-star, but he's coming in as a number 63 national... Um, yeah, see, I, I think the, these JUCO guys, like, they're, some of them, it's good for them because it gives them a little extra time to prep. Well, you know, we know why guys go JUCO. Guys go JUCO either they're not big enough or they're not smart enough. Yep. No no puns intended, and I'm not throwing Well, I mean, any, anybody that watched Last Chance you they, they know. They know. Yeah. Like, I mean, some of those guys. Get, if you don't take your ACT, you don't score your ACT, you go JUCO. Or if you get in trouble at big-time universities, you go JUCO. Yep. Uh, then Donovan Beaver, he's out Donovan of Ma- Massaponics. Uh, so I lived in Virginia for a little while, I, uh, the Charlottesville area more so, but I'm familiar with the Fredericksburg area. They produce some solid athletes. Yep. This guy's an offensive tackle. He's a big dude, too. He's running 6'6", 275, three-star guy. Um, we're, losing some, uh, we're use- losing some on both sides of the line, so it'll be nice to see how he fits in. Uh, then we got this Tony Mathis kid out of Georgia. Anytime I think of running backs in Georgia, like I just think of top tier athletes, because all those kids do all summer long. They play seven on seven. They're out practicing their cuts. They're out running through tires. They're they're just out being better athletes, mm-hmm. and that's that's what you do in the <laughs> South. That's why the South breeds football talent. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Um, Terrence Dostin out of his Hillsboro, uh, Tampa, Florida. This guy's uh, listed as an athlete. 
he's another smaller guy, 5'11", 175. Um, you know, he probably has the size to, to make an impact this year. But uh, depending on where he fits at on one side of the ball, um, you know, I'm sure he'll fit nice. He's a three-star guy, like I mentioned. Yeah, I'm sitting there looking at his size. I'm thinking more of a running back. Is he a running back? You know, yeah. maybe he's a... Maybe he's a DB out there. Yeah. Now, then we got this Kerry Martin kid. I actually got to watch a little bit of his highlights this local year. Local kid, right? I love seeing local kids. Yeah, he's, a, he's at a Capitol High School. And he was a – what's really bad, they have him listed as a safety. He was actually their quarterback, too. He was a, he was a stud for Capitol. Led him to the state semifinals. Just really sucks they had to play Martinsburg. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they have him listed at safety, like mm-hmm. we said. He's going to be an early enrollee, 6'2", buck 88. Mm-hmm. I could see a kid like him getting early playing time. Could you? Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's, he's one of those athletes. He's a well, real playmaker. The, the, good, the glory of enrolling early, you get all the spring practice. You get familiar with the playbook. You get acquainted with the weight room um, and individuals. And um, you have all summer to prep, and you really develop some chemistry with your guys, man. And coaches get to see who you are. Instead of coming in in summer camp, you come in early, man. The coaches know, hey, this this guy is a baller. You yeah. Know? Uh, looking at um, another recruit, we got Ali Jennings out of Highland Springs, Highland Springs, Virginia, uh, wide receiver, six two one eighty six, tall, linky guy. Um, you know, we're losing some receivers, so we have to replace them. Yeah, you know, I know we have guys on our depth chart that are fully capable, but he's a three-star recruit coming out of Highland Springs, Virginia. Uh, then we got Jalen Thornton. He's another strong side D end. He's not as big yeah. as the what? Let me see what this kid's name is. Parker Moore out of Mallard Creek. Not as big, but you know, I haven't seen any film on him. I imagine out of Ohio, he's pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of those Ohio defensive linemen are pretty quick off the ball. Yeah. Um. Then we got um, Nick Troy Fortune. All right. Um, that's so, a, that's a so his mom had two brothers and she loved them both. <laughs> uh, Nick and Troy. No, I'm kidding. Nick Troy. Hey, hey so that means his brother's name is Troy Nick. There you go. <laughs> uh, no, guys. Um, so this is a cornerback from um, Central Gwinnett. Central Gwinnett, Georgia. This guy's listed at five eleven, one seventy six, uh, three star athlete. Um, and you know when when these guys I don't know if he's an early is he an early enrollee? Yes, he is. He's an early enrollee. So you know this guy's coming on campus in January, five eleven, one seventy six. Uh, by fall ball, this guy if he's able to keep his quickness, this guy's going to be five eleven, one eighty five, one ninety by fall. Um, these guys are eating, they're working out, and even if you go to a world renowned high school program, when you go to a a, a national team like a national you know big power five conference it's next level when it comes to your nutrition your workouts these guys you know they sound small and um the early enrollees you know that's another advantage they have uh they're getting really good meals and they have you know mandatory weights and everything they're doing um that makes a big difference well and holgerson always tries to red shirt guys that obviously need it so I, yeah. like it wouldn't surprise me if he's a buck 76 now if he's not to the weight he needs him He'll redshirt him, and mm-hmm. he'll let him bulk up. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we got this Brandon Yates kid. He's actually out of Liberty High School, which is in Henderson, Nevada. West Coast kid. Yeah, I mean, it, kid. I mean, he had to travel a long way just mm-hmm. to get here. Uh, he's six foot five, two hundred sixty pounds, an offensive tackle. I mean, he's ta- he's gonna probably end up taking Kajus shoes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it not next year. No, I no. don't think I don't think anybody's gonna be able to fill him that quick. But mm-hmm. you give him time, and kids like this that are that huge. Let him bulk up to get to like 285, and let's see where he's at. 
Um, we have Jared Bartlett out of Collins Hill, uh, Georgia. So uh, this kid's an outside linebacker. And, um, you know, we're losing a damn good outside linebacker. Yeah. Uh, 6'2", 213. He's a three-star athlete, um, three-star recruit, you know. We, uh, we have a lot of, a lot of uh, guys coming in on both sides of the ball. Um, I think the thing with West Virginia, I know you have one more to cover there, but the thing with West Virginia, man, and, and something that our fan base, I don't, I don't think they always understand. We just read through the national letter of intent, today's signing day. How many four stars did we have? Two. Two. Last year. And, and I know that signing, the official signing is not completely over. They still have time. Um, last year, we probably had a handful of four stars. You know, we don't recruit four and five star guys. We develop players. So we can't necessarily expect to be on that national level every year. I know this year was a huge letdown because it, it felt like um, it was just our time. We felt like you know, everything was falling into place and we just came up short. But um, we have a lot of good things going on in our program. And uh, I think we're starting to see that Big 12 money pay off with our facilities, with our coaching staff. And we're really developing good players, solid talent, and um, we have a good thing going. And I'll let you finish off with that final recruit there. So this last recruit, do you know the last kid that we had from the state of Pennsylvania that was a kicker? I do, but I don't know if I'm 100% right. Let's hear it. Pat McAfee. You are incredibly correct. Pat McAfee was from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Hey. With the first initials in his last, or the first two letters of his last name being MC. MC. So I'm, I'm hoping that we have the second coming of Pat McAfee in this Colton McGee kid. McGee. Out of Altoona, Pennsylvania. He's a three-star kicker. That's actually pretty good. Most yeah. kickers are lucky to get any stars. <laughs> any stars. <laughs> and this kid's getting a three-star, and apparently he's the third best at his position. Yeah. So there, he must be coming in with a good class of kickers. Yeah. Yeah. And, right. I, and, that, and that's good for us because Lord knows we need some good special teamers. Absolutely. Um, hey, shout-out to Pat McAfee. Shout him out on Twitter. Shout him out on Instagram. Tell him, tell him to give us a shout. Let's make it work. Tell him that we need him on Teacher's Take or he needs us on one of his podcasts. Darn right, Pat. We want to have you. All right, guys. So that's going to end it up for WVU football. Now it's on to third period. All right, guys. We're opening up third period with WVU basketball. And, you know, Don, the biggest takeaway I have from them this season is what the heck is wrong with these guards? I I am almost speechless when I pull up a box score after a game, whether it be in a newspaper or online, and I look and see that they're, the guards combined for more fouls and turnovers than points and assists in a game. That it, like that's a, recipe, that's a recipe for disasters. Oh, absolutely. Um, I know I – know, uh, Beetle Bolden, man. What the hell is going on? Dude, I, I just don't understand how you go 0 for 8 in 16 minutes, score one stinking point. Mm-hmm. How many fouls? Five. And then you had four turnovers. Yeah. And the turnovers yeah. were stupid ones. Yeah, you know, um, Brandon Knapper is solid on offense. He can shoot and he plays solid defense. Brandon Knapper turns the ball over too much. Um, I think our best Backcourt lineup is Brandon Napper and Beetle Bolden. Just because they, Napper can somewhat get us in our sets and Beetle can, you know, he's, he's a two guard. 
but neither one of them can take care of the ball. No. They, they, my goodness, man, they give the other team the ball constantly, and it's horrible. It's horrible. And I'm just telling you right now, like, we, we touched on it last week. Jordan McCabe, you know that, that boy came all the way from out in the Midwest, Wisconsin. So he played five minutes against Rhode Island. Yeah. Played five minutes, and he scored more points than Beetle Bolton. Right. And he played 16. Yes. Um, McCabe, I don't know. I would love to talk to Holgerson. Holgerson, talk, like, let me interview you. Or Huggins. But, Huggins. What is it, yeah. Holgerson? Yeah. Huggins, like, why aren't you playing this guy? Why isn't he playing? We're not any good. Why isn't he playing? You're telling me that he's going to do worse than Beetle Bolden. You're telling me he's going to do worse than Brandon Knapper. Like, what's, what's the worst that happens by throwing McCabe out there? Like, you're already going to the NIT. If you make the NCAA tournament, that means you are going to have to go through the trek of beating Kansas and all them. Big... Damn near means you're going to have to win the conference. Yeah, and, and, and that ain't happening. Like, we've been watching WVU basketball for a long time, and that ain't happening. You know, you know who else? Lamont West. You know, like, do we need to send out, like, a warning? Like, where'd that guy go? I don't know. Like, against Rhode Island, he ended up with – he almost had a double-double. He had nine points. He shot the ball nine times yeah. and got nine points. That's that's pretty sad. What was he from the three? 0 for 4. 0 for 4. Yeah. This guy is known for shooting three-pointers. And he clanked four. <laughs> I tell you what, like, it – You know, guess how many steals we forced against Rhode Island? Very few. One. One. One steal, and that one steal came from Napper. Napper, yeah. Um, Lamont West is struggling. He cannot dribble for the life of it. He's nothing but a knockdown shooter, but he is underachieving so much this year. I don't know who I'm more disappointed in. Lamont West, Issa Ahmad, and Beetle Bolden. You all three are letting me down. I know you're college athletes. I know you have so much more going on, and I don't want to be too critical of you. But, man, you guys are not having a very solid season. Issa's putting up numbers, but Issa's not doing what I thought he would. I mean, why put up numbers when your team's just going to lose? Like, that that's my deal with him, man. If you're going to go out there and get me almost a double-double or, you know, flirt with a triple-double, and you go two for six, but the rest of your team shoots, you know, let's see, class, uh, 16 for glass, 50. Bro. Yeah, like, <laughs> cla- crash the glass, get you some offensive boards, Get the rest of the team involved. Step up. Be the senior leader we need, Issa. Um, Sags, Sags didn't play last game. Um, you know, he's had some knee injuries throughout. A lot of people a lot of people are sour with Sags because they feel like he's playing just for his draft status. Um, you know, whether he is or not, it's not me to say. Um, it's not for me to say. He's, he's shown that he's a capable outside shooter. But if you watch the game before last game, that Sags... That guy that set the record in blocks for WVU, that guy that was throwing down, rebounding, playing phenomenal defense, that's who we grew to learn and love. Yeah. Not this guy that's out there pump faking, shooting contested threes. Well, and here's my thing. Every single starter for Rhode Island scored in double figures. Every starter. Mm-hmm. And they probably all were layups. Uh, it, well, here's the thing. Rhode Island as a team shot Almost 47% from the field. They shot 468 to be specific. Mm-hmm. WVU shot 32. It's horrible. And, and they turned the ball over on top of that. I mean, it, when WVU has 15 turnovers and Rhode Island has nine, and most of those turnovers came from their bench players. Right. Like um, Chase Harler, where'd you go, bro? Where'd you go, man? Be consistent. I know you're young. Um, expect more out of you. Uh, you know, man, the lone positive 
with this West Virginia team. I'll give Jermaine Haley, he's, he played solid. He's maybe not as athletic as he needs to be, but he, he handles the ball well. However, Wesley Harris, that dude right there, man, he, he, he plays with heart. He plays with hustle. He doesn't always make the smartest plays, but he's going to give all, you, all he has all game long. And he, it may not always show up in the box score, but he's going to make his impact on the game. But you know, uh, what's you, his stat line reading there? His stat line from Rhode Island was 18 points, 9 boards, no assists, no steals, no blocks. But he did limit his fouls this game with two, and he only had one turnover compared to the rest of the team with 14. And what I was getting ready to say is that Harris, you remember Kevin Jones yeah. from back in the day, yeah. old headband Kevin? Yeah. That's who Harris reminds me a lot of. Because he's able to get in there and mix it up on the on the boards, mm-hmm. like he ended up with four offensive rebounds, and that's what Kevin Jones used to save our hide with. Oh yeah, Kevin Jones was a phenomenal post player. Uh, what Harris reminds me, he's kind of a mix of uh, Devin Ebanks and a John Flowers, in my my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's developed that three point shot, but man, the guy is huge. And you know, I mean, dude, he shot five or six from the field from too. The field. He's yeah. Um, I'm just highly disappointed in them, man. Coming into this year, I I didn't expect them to be great. But, you know, I thought for sure these preseason games we would roll through and we would come into conference play, um, you know, ranked in the top 25, uh, looking to finish top three or top four in conference. But um, it looks like we'll be lucky to go mid, mid-pack and, uh, you know, find ourselves in the NIT. If we don't win... If we play like this in conference, it's going to be a long, sad season. Because yeah. we play in one of the better conferences, um, basketball and football-wise. So, um, you know, I hope they get it together. And I love Hugs. I I just question why he's not playing McCabe. Yeah. And I question why he didn't um, why he didn't sign a JUCO guard. Yeah. You know, because we don't have uh, Tariq Phillips. Tariq Phillip, Juco guard. Mm-hmm. We don't have Mitchell. Mitchell, you know, might have been a head case, whatever. We don't have him. We don't have Tavon Myers. You know, those are Juco guys that had experience, that could come in, handle the ball, that could get to the bucket and produce. Like, where's that guy at this year? Yeah. Hopefully they find him by the end of the year. But it, the way it's looking, probably not. Well, that's going to go ahead and wrap up our third period. And now we're going to go ahead and lead into fourth. Welcome back to fourth period, guys. We're rolling into the NFL games and predictions. Um, so uh, we're just kind of going to do a pick em, um all the games this week. Uh, you know, We've talked about it in our production meeting. We don't necessarily see eye to eye in most of the games. Um, so we're going to go right into it, man. Um, starting off Saturday. You know, this is the time of the year where college football is kind of taking a back seat. It's bowl season. They don't have, they don't control Saturday TV ratings. So this is the time of year that uh, the NFL likes to throw in some Saturday games. And um, starting fresh this Saturday, we have Washington and Tennessee, first game of the day, 4.30. Who are you rolling with, Eli? Man, i got to roll with the Titans. Uh, the Redskins are down. They've had so many injuries. Uh, look at their quarterback. They're on quarterback number four. Yes. Uh, I mean, in Tennessee, you got Mariota playing for his next contract, mm-hmm. and they're pushing for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They got they have everything to lose. So yeah. they're going to they're gonna be playing guns blazing. Yeah, Um. I agree with you. Uh, the only way I could see anything going differently is if, um, what's his name, uh, Johnson? Is that the guy they signed? Yeah, Josh Johnson. Josh Johnson 
if that guy can get out and make some noise with his legs, they could have potential. Otherwise, um, yeah, uh, Tennessee with the win. Another important or another interesting thing, it's not important. Is Dak the future of Tennessee or is Dak the future of Dallas and is Mariota the future of Tennessee? That's something to think about. Yeah, you see, for me, I, I think Mariota for sure is going to be the future there, but and it's, then, it's like a health reason. Well, and then you have to look into is he an Andy Dalton contract or is he a Derek Carr contract? If anybody ever gives Derek Carr money to a quarterback again or a Joe Flacco, they're an idiot. Right. This $100 million quarterback stuff. It's crazy. I mean, I think the Rams are kind of proven why that's. Why is that well, Yeah, I mean, you give a quarterback lower money, you can get better guys around him. Which well, makes draft, him when you draft well, you don't have. You know, if you get a rookie guy that's able to come in like golf, he's, you know, he's. I mean, on his rookie deal. And, yeah, I mean, Goff and um, Trubisky, they've yeah. all been amazing on their yeah. rookie contracts. Now, you know, in the future, what does that lead to when they get those, uh, you know, their second contracts? How does that play into it? But, um, yeah, I think that would be interesting to see how it plays out. What type of contract those guys uh, sign. Um, rolling into the late game Saturday, 8.20 p.m., we have Baltimore at the Chargers. See, that, that's Baltimore Ravens at the L.A. Chargers. See, i got to roll with the Chargers. Baltimore going clear across the country, playing in L.A., Mm -hmm. and the Chargers have been on a roll. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, they just lost Keenan Allen last week, and they went into Kansas City and and won. Yeah, close, but good. Yeah, I mean, Mike Williams had the game of his life. Um, Baltimore, as I mentioned earlier, uh, they're running the um, – I keep forgetting it, Eli. Help me out here. What are they running? They run out of the Wildcat the side. Wildcat. And, right? they like, and they like running out of pistol, too, with yeah. their running back and, yeah. the sh- like, behind yeah. them in the shotgun. So, basically, basically what I'm saying here, guys, is that, that um, my man at quarterback, Lamar Jackson, is not necessarily a quarterback. They have him lined up back there. Now, can he sling the rock? Absolutely. Can he throw it around the field? Yes, he can. But they have him lined up back there basically as an extra running back. And, um, you Which know, how does that well, – it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. It's, it's, it's been solid so far. Uh, what's scary is how that's going to play into the playoffs moving forward. Uh, but I'm going Chargers. I'm going Phillip Rivers. Phenomenal year. Still isn't getting the credit he deserves. Why does this man continue to get overlooked? He's a great player at a great franchise, a family man, respectable guy. So. Yeah, I mean, you, he, he's hiding in California, man. Those guys on that West Coast, nobody hears about Derek Carr unless somebody's making a joke about the Raiders anymore. Right, yeah. Uh, and then, we, you know, first game on Sunday, 1 o'clock. Uh, this is the start of the 1 o'clock games. they got a whole bunch of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got Minnesota at Detroit. Mm. I'm rolling with Minnesota. Okay. Just because I don't think Detroit's going to be able to hang with them. Yeah. I, I think offensively, Stafford makes – a couple big mistakes against a good Minnesota defense, yeah. and it's going to end up costing them. I'm going um, Detroit. I'm going Matt Stafford. Galladay have a solid game. They pull it out. It'll be a close game, be competitive, but Detroit pulls it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to this Tampa Bay and Dallas. It's another 1 o'clock game. Uh, I'm going Dallas. Um, Dallas is uh, right there looking at the playoffs. Tampa Bay doesn't really have much to play for, so I'm rolling with Dallas. See, I'm rolling with Dallas, too. I think it's just too much that Dallas has. The defense is going to stop Tampa's offense. Mm -hmm. Dallas's offense is going to run it all day on that defense. Play action set up some big plays. Yeah, what's going to be really crappy is if Amari Cooper actually has a good game when I needed him last week. When you need him, he didn't produce last week. Yeah. All right, and then we move on to your Bengals at Cleveland. Uh, 
I got to roll with Cleveland. I, I think Baker in that offense is going to be way too much to handle for that defense. Uh, I second that. I'm going Cleveland. Um, you know, Baker Mayfield has something to prove to Hugh Jackson. Like I mentioned earlier, he called him out in the media. Um, you know, maybe or you know maybe maybe Hugh Jackson has spent the last three weeks. You know, the Bengals have stunk the last three weeks. Maybe he's spent the last three weeks looking forward to this game, and he's just been game planning nonstop for this game. Just to stop Baker, maybe that's what's going to happen. But um, now I'm gonna I'm gonna bet on Cleveland. I'm gonna say Cleveland wins. Uh, I don't know if it'll be big. May not be competitive, but uh, Cleveland wins. Uh, roll on to another one o'clock game. You got the Giants playing the Colts. Uh, you know, the Giants just haven't done anything. They need to move on from Eli Manning. Uh, I hate the way that they treated him. You know, they should have never benched him. They should have let him carry out his starts. And uh, you know that that was that was pretty crubby there. It was uh, Andrew Luck. Solid, man, he's solid. You know, he's a strong quarterback. He's mobile in the pocket. He can get outside. He can do it all, man. Um, I'm going Colts, and I'm going – they're probably going to win big. Yeah, I, I'm I'm in the same boat with you. Like, if anybody listens to my fantasy predictions, you guys know I'm banking on Indy having a big game between Luck and Mack, Ebron and Hilton. I just see them throwing it all over the yard, even with Mack running it, running it around, especially once they get up big enough. And honestly – I just don't see the Giants even scoring at all. Like, I'm almost predicting a goose egg. There's a a side of me that wants to just call it now. Uh, Moving on to another 1 o'clock game. We have the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I'm going to go ahead and – they're done being the Dolphins to me. They're the Miami Magic. Like, I (laughs) – Come on, man. No, I got to call them the Miami Magic, man. The last time we saw them play at home – they beat New England they on, they on the that rabbit out of the hat. They did. I mean, literally, they pulled a Houdini. Poof! Gronk magically forgot how to tackle or play safety. <laughs> Why in the hell that was he even on the field? The field? <laughs> <laughs> Seventy. Ryan Tannehill is going to throw this seventy-five yards in the yeah. air. Yeah. He, he can't even throw it forty. So are you choosing? Are you going? I'm gonna roll with. I'm gonna roll with the Magic. I'm gonna say Miami Magic gonna win this Miami one. Miami Magic. Well. I'm going Jacksonville. I'm going Jacksonville, and I'm betting on the defense. Yeah. So uh, Jacksonville's defense is going to—they're going to stifle uh, stifle the Dolphins, and they're going to pull out a close win. Uh, looking to another one o'clock game, you have the Buffalo Bills rolling up against the New England Patriots, and um, nobody sucks more than the Buffalo. The Bills. Buffalo Bills, you know, statistically, Buffalo's defense is solid. Statistically, you know, but. It doesn't matter what the stats say. You're as good as your wins and losses are, right? It doesn't matter about your potential. All that is nothing. You know, hypotheticals don't count. You're as good as your wins and losses. And, well, if you're going by that, they're just not very good. I'm going New England big against Buffalo. See, I'm going New England. I'm going to go New England big as well. The thing with Buffalo, Josh Allen will probably get a crap ton of yards. Yeah. He'll get it all in garbage time. He'll yeah, pro- and it's short dump-off passes. Yeah, and he'll get probably about 40, 50 rushing yards. Mm-hmm. Because he's going to be running for his life. Uh, and really, who on Buffalo is going to be able to stop Nobody. everything? Like, New England's going to throw everything at him because New England's fighting for uh, – I mean, they're – a first-round buy, right? Yeah, I mean, they're t- right now, I think if everything played out, they're sitting there at the three spot. Yeah. Or the four, it's either three or four, and they're going to have to play a wild-card game. And tra- yeah. traditionally, they're not very good they're in very it. Good. Uh, then that the following 1 o'clock game, we got Green Bay – Going all the way to the Meadowlands and playing against the Jets. Ooh. See, I th- I think we differed on this one. I I picked the Jets yeah. just because Aaron Rodgers is not the same guy. He's not. Um, and they they can't protect him. Yeah, uh, he's always running. 
Jimmy Graham, if this was five years ago, he'd be a threat. But right now, he ain't, he's not he's not much of anything. Um, you know, I'm going Green Bay. Uh, and really, the reason why I'm going Green Bay is because the Jets just are mediocre. Not that Green Bay is any better. But Green Bay does have one of the best quarterbacks in the game. And he's not having a great year. Maybe he got his coach fired, but he's still a hell of a quarterback. And I'm rolling with Green Bay over the Jets. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving forward, we got another 1 o'clock game. You're looking at the Houston Texans and the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, for me, I have to pick Houston because DeAndre Hopkins is the man. And Deshaun Watson is pretty damn good as well. That head coach down there, you know, he, you know, you may Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien, you may feel a certain way on on him or uh, his tactics. Uh, you know, I did enjoy watching him a few years ago on Hard Knocks. I like his philosophy. I like what he stands for. Uh, but I'm going Houston, and I'm going Houston probably big over Philly because Philly's just not very good. Yeah, well, Philly's also going to be playing with Foles instead of Wentz, Wentz again. Wentz. Wentz has that issue with yeah, his back. Yeah, did he break his back? What's the news on that? Is it, it, it vertebrae? Did he it, break it? Did he fracture it? It's a fractured vertebrae, but it's one of those where do you really want to risk your franchise quarterback going out there? Yeah. And getting hurt the last two weeks when you're pretty much out of the hunt, of the hunt yeah. uh, and you got Houston coming in. You know that defense is a typical Houston defense. Mm-hmm. They're they're going to get after you. You got Clowney, Watt, Jonathan Joseph. Mm-hmm. They got Honey Badger back there. Honey Badger looks like he did when he was at LSU. LSU, yeah. Uh, and it, it's kind of a scary sight, especially with uh, them actually having an offense. The thing that's going to be really helpful is if they don't make a run to the Super Bowl this year, which I want to think they will because of how good that offense and defense are. They're going to need offensive line help. Yeah, they, they that is the one thing, the one area in their entire but team that is weak. It is weak, but with a mobile quarterback, you can somewhat overcome that. Yeah, they can just do different little blocking schemes mm-hmm. and make it happen. Uh, then we have the next one o'clock game. We have the Atlanta Falcons at the Carolina Panthers. The game that has no meaning, right? Yeah, I mean the, the Panthers after Monday night are pretty much out of it, and Cam's out the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be basically the Carolina fighting McCaffrey's from here on out <laughs> these next two weeks. Yeah. Uh, um, Panthers have nothing left to play for. Yeah. So and, who's your pick? It, it really kills me to say this because I hate the Falcons, but I got I got to pick them. Yeah. Like they they just have they have everybody healthy. Panthers don't. Uh, I mean, Matty Ice is still Matty Ice, so to speak. He's putting up solid numbers. Mm. Um, they, Atlanta's not having a season to speak of, uh, whether good or bad. They're just. Whatever, you know. They're, Same, kind of, they're kind of in the middle of the road. Middle of the road. And Carolina, the only reason why we're, Carolina's in the news is because Cam Newton and that shoulder, you know. Um, it's, basically, he's, he's been a human wrecking ball since he entered the league, and a lot of that is catching up to him now. And I hate to see what he's like when he's older. I love the guy. I love what he, how he plays and, you know, all that. But uh, I'm going Atlanta over Carolina in this game. Um. Moving forward to the 4 o'clock games now. First 4 o'clock game, we have the Los Angeles Rams and the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, I think, you know, I don't want to say it's a no-brainer because anytime you're speaking any professional sports, there's no, in my opinion, there's no such thing as a no-brainer if you're just picking straight-up wins and losses. Now, I'm not talking about playing the spread. If you want to play the spread, we talk different things. But if you're talking straight-up wins and losses, any given day, any professional team can beat another professional team. So I don't want to say it's a no-brainer. But, you know, the L.A. Rams and the Cardinals, is it a no-brainer? It seems like it. Uh, I'm going L.A. Rams. They get it back on track. That offense gets rolling. Um, my man, the defensive end up there, he gets after the quarterback. He's going to put up some, make some noise, and the Rams are going to win big against Arizona. So, yeah, I'm on the same boat with you. I think the L.A. Rams are going to go into Arizona, and if Josh Rosen comes out alive, 
He'll be lucky. <laughs> but it's not because of how great the defense is. It is literally a one-man wrecking crew on that defense, and that is Aaron Donald. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, if he's not in the MVP race at the end of the season, they just need to do away with the award. Yeah. Any Listen, any, any um, stipend or extra incentive that he had in his contract, he hit. He hit, yeah. That man probably made an extra million dollars in just statistical – categories alone and whether that's leading the league in sacks rushes or quarterback rushes uh tackle whatever it is whatever incentive pro bowl whatever that dude is dominated so and that's something that you know a lot of people not think might might not think about either um a lot of these guys playing professionally in all sports they have a lot of incentives in their contracts that we don't really think about uh but you know when you see guys really going hard whether it's for a losing team or not they're playing for that money. You know, a lot of everybody plays to win the championship, but at the end of the day, those guys are paying, playing to put food on their table, so to speak, although, you know, they, they, they're quite wealthy. Um, so, yeah, moving on to the, uh, the next game. Who are we rolling with, Eli? It's the uh, Chicago. It's Chicago fighting Khalil Max against the San Francisco <laughs> 49ers. You know, you want to talk about an amazing defensive end. You know how dumb the Raiders are? My goodness, dude. What? I can't. The Raiders literally as a team have 12 sacks. How do you not? And he's got 12 and a half. How yeah. do you not just give the guy the money? He's it, worth it. Yeah, I know. But the, here's the problem. We were talking about quarterbacks and why you don't want to, why teams like the Rams and the Eagles are so smart. It's in definitely the Bears because they don't pay huge amounts of money for players. They, they pay their quarterback what they're worth, well, not what they want. Well, I think. They caught lightning in a bottle by hitting on Trubisky because mm-hmm. they're on a rookie contract with him. Yeah. Now, if Trubisky bombs and sucks, then you're probably looking at a backup journeyman quarterback there. Yeah. And you're, they, looking at, you're looking at Chase Daniel. Right. <laughs> yeah. And you, when you catch lightning in a bottle, and what I mean by that is when you hit on a first-round quarterback and he actually is productive, then you surround him with the – I don't. I can't say best because Donald is a beast too. Um, with one of the best defensive players in the NFL, uh, that's a recipe for success. Mm-hmm. So you surround a young quarterback with a solid running game and a damn good defense, then you're going to have success. I.e. Joe Flacco, uh, Ben Roethlisberger early on with Jerome Bettis. Uh, the list goes on and on. Eli Manning with a solid run game. You know he made that a that NASCAR defense they had with yeah. with that crew that won yeah, on the Super you know. Bowl in 07. Yep. Yeah. So. Um, uh, then we move on to the late 4 o'clock games. That is Pittsburgh at New Orleans. And quite honestly, living here in West Virginia, I'm tired of watching Pittsburgh because it, it. they are the definition of mediocre this year, mm-hmm. and they do not make adjustments at halftime. And, it, um, and, and Mike Tomlin's been getting away with it for years, but I think now some of these coaches are starting to be able to see it and catch up to them. Um, you know, Pittsburgh's had a lot of animosity this year. Um, the Le'Veon Bell, um, James Conner goes out with an injury. You know, um, their receiver's a little bit of a hothead. Uh, they've just had a lot going on there, man. And Tomlin's not always said the, the, the best things to say to the media at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and New Orleans, you know, they're not doing much better right now. What have you done for me lately? Well, neither team has done anything. Um, I think it's going to be a tight game. I think New Orleans is going to pull it out. I don't think either team gets back on track. I think we kind of see them stumble along again in another game, but I think New Orleans pulls it out. So uh, moving to the primetime Sunday night game, uh, I think it will be one of the better games to watch. Um, yeah, I think out of the Sunday games, this one's probably going to be the best one. The best one to watch. We're, we're looking at Seattle and Kansas City here. 
Uh, Kansas City is bipolar on each side of the ball. Yeah, I, that's the Andy Reid effect, man. It, 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 this it, the December is the time of year that Andy Reid turns into crumbles. Like he just he implodes mm-hmm. when he was with the Eagles. Yep. It happened every year. They would literally start out like a ball of fire and die off. Yep. Donovan McNabb throwing up in the huddle in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Kansas City, if if they can put up that many points against Seattle, they have a chance. But I think Seattle's defense is going to hold suit. And um, Kansas City's defense just does not exist. So I'm going Seattle over Kansas City. And uh, it'll be a competitive game because Kansas City can put up points. But I think Seattle's D. Uh, shows what they're made of. And, yeah, uh, yeah I, I'm I'm in there with you. I think Russell Wilson's going to be a lot to handle for that defense. They're not as good without Marcus Peters. Yeah, yeah. I mean they're they're almost non-existent in the secondary. They've got a couple good pass rushers, but I feel like Russell Wilson's going to be able to stay clean enough. Yeah. To win. Yeah. And then that leads us to Christmas Eve, Monday Night Football. We What's have, Santa going to bring us? Uh, hopefully an Oakland win. That's that's kind of <laughs> what I'm banking on here. It, like I'm I'm between a rock and a hard place because I want them to keep sucking. So they get so, so we can be round one first pick, mm-hmm. but we don't need a quarterback. We don't. But anytime we can beat the Broncos, I'm all for it. I feel you. Yeah. Um, I think you know just because I don't understand what John Gruden is doing. Like I said last week, I think he's playing for 2020. I think the next two years. He don't care. Does not care about. It. He doesn't. All he cares about is a new arena and draft picks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, man. Now, now that stadium in Las Vegas is going to be a football mecca compared to the Oakland Coliseum that oh, should yeah. be torn down right, right now. Right now, yeah. And I give you credit for that. But um, I love John Gruden. Everything he did with the ESPN, you know, the quarterback stuff that he did, the Monday night, uh, all this. Um, that was good. It was good for football. It was, man. And but I don't know. I don't understand. Like, is he the same guy that he was on ESPN and that he was on Monday Night Football as he is now there in, like, the lead role? What is what is leading him to make these decisions, you know? Yeah. I, I just don't understand. And for the point of me not being able to understand what he's doing and why he's doing what he's doing, outside of the fact that I believe he could be playing for two years from now, not right now, uh, I'm going Denver. Denver's going to win. Yeah. All right, guys, that wraps up our NFL games and predictions. We're going to go ahead and move on to our fifth period. Hope you're ready for some college football. Welcome back, guys. This is fifth period, and uh, we're just going to do a recap of our bowl selection. Uh, So as you guys remember, we didn't pick every game, uh, every bowl game. We just picked the bowl games we felt like needed picked or felt worthy of being picked. Um, So Eli's going to kick us off with the first bowl game we picked. All right, man, we picked that Auto Nation Cure Bowl, and I feel so stupid. Damn it, were we wrong? Yeah, I, I mean, we picked the Raging Cajuns, and they were more like the mild-mannered Cajuns. Very uh, mild-mannered. Yeah, uh, that Tulane <laughs> blew their hind ends out. I mean, I think it was like 41-13. to 13. Yes. It, it was an ugly ball game. It was ugly. Uh, You know, then we had the Mitsubishi Motors Las Vegas Bowl, and I told you, Fresno State's fun you to did, watch. You did tell me that, and I, and I countered that, and I said, you know what? If Herm Edwards can't motivate you, you don't have a heart. Well, Arizona State, I don't know what the heck you guys are doing, but you laid an egg. Yeah, I mean, it, it was an ugly game for Arizona State. Mm-hmm. 
then we had the R and L Carriers New Orleans Bowl. Uh, you know, we both were high on App State. We were. Uh, you know, and they, li- yeah, I mean, they lived up to expectations. Man, they were out there. They, it looked like that Boise State Oklahoma game from yes. the Fiesta Bowl. Yes, yes. I mean, they they did like they did the Philly special. Mm-hmm. They did a statue. Man, they did it all. Uh, the the Boca Raton Bowl. Yep. Uh, we both agreed on that. Um, Northern Illinois and UAB. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we picked um, that game. Me too. And watching that game, I kind of got the feeling that Northern Illinois did not want to be there. Nah. Northern Illinois, I believe they were 7-5. and five. UAB was 10-3. and three. Um, you, UAB, Northern Illinois might have been at the beach for too long. Right, right. Yeah, very well. But um, UAB, they came on a mission. Yeah. You know? And um, you mentioned a tidbit uh, post game. What was it they were saying? I mean, that, that coach was so emotional. He, he, he made a heartfelt speech about how – these guys lost their program, and everybody found their way back and made their made their contribution to the program, and it showed. Those guys had something to play for because when you lose something that's that important to you, and then you have, lose it all and get it all back just to play in a bowl, whether it's the Mrs. O'Leary's Finishing School Bowl, the Boca Raton Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, yeah. it don't matter. You give it all, and it was awesome to see. And they showed that, man. And, that, uh, that That is a, a heartfelt, heartwarming Story right there, man. Yeah. Um, so currently, there's a few bowl games going on. Um, that wraps up this week's predictions. Uh, you know, we'll we'll hit we'll be back next week, maybe later in the week. Um, you know, Christmas coming up and whatnot. So bowl season is in the thick. Um, yeah. So uh, that that wraps up this this week's. I'm sitting here at two and two, uh, and Eli's sitting here at three and one. So uh, <laughs> let's hope I can keep it up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's going to wrap up this segment, guys. Right, and we're going to go ahead and lead into the sixth period, and we're going to be talking about some NCAA basketball. And welcome back, guys. We're going to go ahead and get six periods started up. Uh, we're going to add uh, some NBA rankings on here before we get into our college basketball topic. In our NBA rankings, we both put our brains together and came up with a list, and I'm going to go ahead and let Don take it from here. All right, guys, so, um, you know, we sat down in our production meeting, and we were talking about um, hot or not NBA teams, and uh, we did a top eight selection. So we both agreed that the playoff format is not ideal right now. We think that it should be the top 16 teams in the entire league. So we broke that down into a top eight teams in the entire league right now. So... Um, this is the teacher's take NBA rankings. For number one, we're rolling with the Warriors, man. Can you bet against the Warriors? No, I mean, dude, let's think about it. Three out of the last, what is it, three out of the last four years, they've been the NBA champion. Absolutely. I mean, until somebody knocks them off their high horse, they should be one every week. The only, team, the only way the Warriors lose is if they beat themselves. That's cliche, but it is what it is. Um, if Clay stays then you're looking at a real long-term dynasty. Yes. Um, moving on to Denver. You know, Denver's made some noise this year. They kind of came out unexpectedly. Uh, their best player is not ball dominant. Their big guy, their center, does not dominate the ball, and he's putting up phenomenal numbers, and they run the offense through him. So he allows those guards to get out, to run, to get open shots. You know, he plays D, he, he rebounds, and he sets up the offense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Nikola Jokic, man, yes. I absolutely love that guy. His nickname is The Joker because ap- apparently he's a little bit of a prankster. Prankster, yeah. Uh, and then that leads us into number three. Uh, 
I got Milwaukee. You and I both agreed on that. Yeah. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, man, he he's an absolute animal. If that guy develops a jump shot, he if he develops a jump shot and his health stays, he could be the best basketball player ever. He's the guy that you make on two K yep. back in the day. That's a freak, yo. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, moving on to number four, uh, guys. I'm a huge Victor Oladipo fan. Uh, Indiana, the Pacers. Victor Oladipo, I just enjoy watching that guy play, man. Um, he plays basketball like it's meant to be played. He does. He's fluid. He He's never out of character. He never tries to do things he's not capable of, capable of doing. He plays hard, and he plays both sides of the ball. Um, I, I love the guy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the next team that we have on our list is Philadelphia. They, you know, they make that splash for Jimmy Butler. And honestly, I think that's a darn good fit for him. I do. The only problem I see here is uh, before Jimmy had his injury, whatever's going on with him, um, right as he had his injury, you had Embiid come out with some comments about um, not getting enough touches or not getting enough shots. Well, see, I feel like with him, I think he was more talking about the spacing because they're playing him like a stretch. Yeah, and he's not really a stretch. He's, well, he, he he is. This this is the thing. He doesn't necessarily have to be a stretch. He can be a very good stretch, or he could be a pick and pop guy, pick and roll guy. Either way you want to do it, or you know, Kansas down there. Kansas runs like a, a four around one, which is a you know, if, if they Philly plays with four basically four guards, four mm-hmm. guard oriented players. So Embiid is the only post presence. But you know, Jimmy likes to get into post and mix it up, and so does. Uh, the lefty point guard. Oh ben, oh, ben Simmons. Ben Simmons. They all like to get in there and, and, and mix it up. Could you imagine how good Philadelphia would be if Ben Simmons could consistently shoot? Shoot a shot? Absolutely. Um, apparently, they didn't teach him how to do that in Australia. Well, you know, whoever taught Markel Fultz apparently did him wrong, too. Oh, dude. That's a whole other story. Um, but uh, Jimmy Butler, alpha male. Uh, Joel Embiid, alpha male. Ben Simmons, alpha male. You have three alphas. Uh, I'm interested to see how it plays out long term there and see what it looks like moving forward. Yeah, it kind of shocks me that they're able to get along there because they had a video the other day that I saw on ESPN. Those three were out there cutting it up in practice. It looked like LeBron, Bosch, and Wade. Right, yeah, all just, yeah. It was like, holy cow. Yeah, so um, moving on for uh, what are we looking at? Number seven here? Uh, number um, six. We got number six. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Number six, we're looking at OKC, Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, hey, Russell West, Westbrook or Bust, man. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul George, PG-13, tough player, man. I love the guy, too. He, he plays both ways, long and linky. Uh, made it back from an injury. You know, Many people question uh, whether or not he'd be able to come back. He came back, and now he is doing better than ever. Mm-hmm. He re-signed there in Oklahoma City. I commend that because I, uh, I love small market teams keeping their talent. You know, Not that I discredit these uh, power teams or super teams or whatever adjective you want to use to describe them. Uh, I like that he stayed there in a small market with a small team with a hell of a player in Russell Westbrook. See, I have more fun watching that Stephen Adams, man. Oh, he's a brute, man. But, dude, he's he's a hoss. The only downfall with Stephen Adams, I think he went to Pitt. Yeah, I think he did too, if I'm not mistaken he on did. that. Uh, then at number seven, you know, we're probably going to shock some people with this because they've got the best record in the NBA right yeah. now. But we got the Raptors down at seven. And a lot of that stems from the fact, can Toronto win in the playoffs? And what have they done for us lately? Like, they've just not looked very good. And can they win in the playoffs? What, you know? Are they 5-5 five and five right now in their last 10 games? 10 games. You know, they, uh, they brought in some veterans. Um, and Kawhi, you know, Kawhi, Kawhi was, was a big deal. Kawhi was the finals MVP. Um, you know, Danny, Danny Green, 
is he's hit so many big shots. Even coming into Toronto this year, he's hit big shots. Can they win in the playoffs? I believe they can. But the direction they're trending in right now is, um, you know, it's not the best. Mm-hmm. I think they could they could push the gas and put the East behind them. Yeah. Um, and maybe to another surprise, uh, Boston. Boston's been very inconsistent. Now see, Boston. Boston's been the five seed this year. Like, it's one of those deals where are they going to actually do anything? You know what I think? I think this is karma. I think you have a guy who gives you his all. His sister dies in a car accident, and he comes out. And in a matter of a week or so, this guy... Well, I can't remember the statistics Isaiah Thomas put up in the playoffs. Dude, it was stupid. And then on top of that, he was the best fourth quarter player that year. That year. Now, I know Isaiah's had some injuries. I get it, man. But you give the guy away, man. Mm-hmm. And I know you traded him to Cleveland. He didn't work out in Cleveland. You get uh, Kyrie back. I get that. I get it all, man. But I don't like it. I no. don't like it because Isaiah is a great guy. He's a great player, and he was so much fun to watch. Um, I hate the way it played out, but I think that it may be just be some bad karma working out to where Boston is um, maybe getting what they deserve. And, 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 and in all seriousness, Danny Ainge, I would almost hate to be a player in Boston. Think about how many guys he's traded on the fly and just on a whim. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, some of these guys put their hearts and souls and moved to Boston just for him to trade them a the year and a half later. Yeah. Um, so that's our top eight power rankings, guys. Uh, you know, we have a little hot take coming up. We have who's hot and who's cold. So uh, basically, it's just a matter of three teams we think's hot or think are hot, trending in a positive area uh, direction, and then three teams we think that aren't so hot and they have some turmoil going on. So I'm gonna start it off here. Uh, for my hot, my hot is Memphis, Sacramento, and Dallas. Now, my my take on this: Memphis, Sacramento, and Dallas. Had no expectations this year. You know, I mean, they're all young. Well, outside of Memphis, uh, but they have a lot of youth there. Sacramento, you know, De'Aaron Fox is tough. Did not expect them to be where they are. Dallas, Luka Doncic, uh, probably didn't pronounce his name right, whatever. Luka, we'll go with that. The dude is phenomenal. I did not think he was going to have the athleticism to hold up. And then Memphis, you got Mike Conley down there and the, the young guy, the big guy that they have. Uh, Jackson out Jackson, of Michigan State. Jackson out of Michigan State. Um, they just look good, man. So they're those are my three trending up. And then my, I'm gonna go ahead and take care of the who's cold. Uh, we both were talking about this. Houston, Miami, and Washington. Those are three teams that they are ice cold. Uh, I mean, Houston goes out and Chris Paul saying, "Pay me, pay me." I don't pay like me. that guy. I, I can't stand him. And you know, people want to talk about Houston almost had Golden State. <laughs> Well, let's go ahead and compare this. Golden State players are willing to take less money to keep a team together. Yeah. Chris Paul wanted more money. Where'd Trevor Ariza go? Exactly. Like, didn't he just get sent off? He yeah. signed with he, the Suns and just got sent back to Washington. Washington, which is a bad deal. Washington, bust it. Hit the panic button, dude. Hit panic right now. Yeah. Draft picks, key players, get rid of John Wall, get rid of Bradley Bill. You need a new face of your franchise, yeah, Washington. I would absolutely love to see the Hornets make a splash for Beal. But I, oh, absolutely. Dude, but, can you imagine Kemba Walker and Bradley Beal? I would it, love it. You get Kemba and Miles Bridges some help for the love of God. Absolutely. Uh, Miami, Eric Sprolstra, phenomenal coach. 
underachieving so far. Am I going to be surprised at the end of the year if Miami is the seventh or eighth seed? No. So, yeah. see, see, like for me with Miami, when I have to worry more on whether James Johnson is going to put a guy in a headlock than they're <laughs> actually going to win a basketball game, right, there's right. a problem there. Right. Um, well, so uh, we're going to move on into probably the the hottest take or the take that we've looked forward to most throughout doing this podcast. Uh, at work today, Eli and I uh, were texting back and forth, and we came upon a topic that... Um, we're both passionate about. We kind of agree upon, but um, we see a little differently. So I'm going to let him go ahead and take the lead, and, and we're going to get into this topic. Well, you know, this one kind of hits close to home for me because I'm a South Carolina basketball fan. We had a guy named Brian Bowen that tried to transfer to us last year. He was a five-star recruit. He was involved in that Louisville Adidas scandal with all this corruption the, by the agents, the shoe companies, mm-hmm. and, you know, we're, we're kind of seeing this happen more and more and more in college basketball. And to me personally, I get sick and tired of it because it drags down the college basketball game ridiculously. And now I'm not saying anything against Brian Bowen here. I'm not. But what I'm saying is, is guys like him don't need to be playing college basketball. These guys that are getting labeled as quote-unquote five-star, one-and-done is what the magic words yeah, are anymore. The- and and, and I feel like college basketball is getting ruined by it. Mm-hmm. And these one-and-dones are going there, trying to get their money, trying to take care of themselves as opposed to take care of the teams. And, you know, I tried to come up with a solution for it. And, you know, I've watched a lot of baseball in my life. Mm-hmm. I've watched a lot of EuroLeague basketball mm-hmm. just because I have zero to do with my life a whole lot. Yeah, and I mean, we're, it, we're teachers. We get the summer off. We get Christmas. Oh, yeah. Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah, man. State holidays. I know, man. I love it. But, you know, overseas in the Euro League, you look at a guy like a Luka Doncic, mm-hmm. a Kristaps Porzingis. Mm-hmm. These guys have been playing youth academy ball when kids over here in the United States are playing AAU travel mm-hmm. ball. And, you know, no knock against AAU. Heck, even I played AAU ball. Right, right. You know, youth academy ball is different. Like, these guys are still getting their education. Mm-hmm. They're still going to school. Right. But they're learning how to be professional athletes at the age of 13, 14, 15. And, you know, in Luka Doncic's case, he's able to sign from the youth academy for Real Madrid and be able to play in the Euro League when he's a teenager. But think about this. How old are the kids you teach? Man, my kids are 12 years old. Occasionally I teach 13-year-olds. There are 13-year-olds overseas getting paid to play. Yes. And do you think that your kids could handle that on a professional level? Now, but here's the thing. Now, I know it, it's I, – I, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. It, when it comes to this Youth Academy stuff, it's not like the people are like, we are adopting your no, child. I, yeah. But, you know, it's like – But if, they're still on the court with professionals. They are. With it, grown men. They are. And here's the thing. What makes a kid better? Is a kid going to get better by being the best 12 or 13-year-old mm-hmm. in his area? Right. Or is it going to be made better by going up against the best 12 or 13-year-olds around the United States? And that's fair enough, and I, I can accept that. But that's what AAU is. And I don't necessarily support AAU because I believe it is corrupt as well. Yes. Um, but what I will say is when you look at a comparison, now I know that um, global go, globally basketball has improved, but um, when you look at the top-tier European players in the last five years mm-hmm. and you look at the top-tier American players in the last five years, the Americans still have the upper hand. They do. So, w- whether it's the gene pool that we have, 
or it's the way that our athletes get to that level. You know, I, I can't argue that because I don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, I can't say either way is correct, but I do say that it's corrupt. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not like the one and done. Uh, the the Euro League and and the academy stuff that they have going on, I love it. You know, and and you know, here in the states, you can play at at private schools. You could play against the best of the best nationally. You could play AAU. Uh, the downfall with me in AAU, AAU um, can make or break you in many different ways. So if you choose the right program for your talents to fit with an AAU team, then that can really help you. If your coach is a straight and narrow guy. Now, if your coach is not a straight and narrow guy, that can get you into trouble. Yes. And also, if you choose the wrong AAU team that does not fit your skill set, you're not going to be able to showcase that to get recruited either. So, uh, you know, there's some different things that go into that. Um, See, I feel like with a lot of the AAU and the youth basketball, I feel like the difference between that and, say, a youth academy, mm-hmm. a youth academy is able to take, sort of like if we do it like they do in EuroLeague, we can sit there and connect one youth academy limit their roster to 15 kids per NBA team. That means that they're going to take the cream of the crop, 13 to, we'll say, 16, 17-year-old kids. Yeah. And we'll take those kids, play for that team, and those 15 kids on each team get coached by top-level talent, can develop their top-level skills. Because these youth academies, it's not like they just go out to a park. I understand, and, yeah. Because, I mean, well, I mean, you, you play college yeah. ball. Like, you, you know what I'm talking about here. Like, these guys are able to go – to these games, see these kids. Because they're probably playing travel ball when they're getting picked up. And if they go out there and they showcase for these youth academy guys and they say, I want them. So they sign them to the youth academy. Mm -hmm. That family knows that their child's being taken care of. Mm -hmm. And they know that their child's going to get an education at that youth academy. Probably a better education than what they're going to get somewhere else. Arguably. If they're at an academy school, then, you know, typically these these private uh, uh, religious type of schools are... Very solid academically, but um, because my biggest thing with that uh, is just you can't even get a real job until you're 16 or 15 without a work permit. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at these 13, 14, 15 year old kids, they're gonna be earning money to play a sport. Mm -hmm. That there is no amateurism in that, you are not an amateur in that, you you know, and philosophy and, and on paper sounds great and in Europe you know their their social norms are different than what they are here in America um, and I just don't know that that mixes I don't because see like my, my deal with it is is like think about Luka Doncic homeboy's from like Serbia right I mean he his family uprooted from Serbia because his family came with him from Serbia to Real Madrid in Spain yeah and it's not like they left him in the dark and yeah. and as long as people in the NBA, which honestly, from what I understand about people involved in the association, they would handle this the right way. They would help take care of this kid. And if I had a son and they had the opportunity to do something like that, I would be all for it. Mm-hmm. I'd give them that opportunity. But if they told me that they weren't having fun, they were losing their love, or the coach gets a hold of me and says, well, my, my child, that my child isn't good enough to play anymore... That could put somebody between a rock and a hard place, but I feel like... you got to think... That's a risk. It is a risk. And when you're looking at 13, 14, 15-year-old kids, man, the top-tier ones, they love it, right? But it's a choice. When you sign a contract, 
to play with these teams, you're held to a standard. Mm-hmm. It is now a job. Yes. You know, if you don't if you don't want to go to practice today, it, too bad. Yeah. You got to go. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> that there it it's there's a lot of levels to it. Um, to me, I just don't feel like someone of that age should be held to a contract. That's why I support more of the the open um, high school aspect of it. I don't like AAU. I don't. I think it is very corrupt. Um, one thing that the G League and the NBA rolled out this year um, is that now they allow you to players that don't want to go pro, they can sign with the G League out of high school, and they can make $125,000. You know, if you're 18 years old and uh, you're out of high school and you haven't did your one-and-done year, so to speak, you can still sign uh, with the G League and um, still make quite a bit of cash. So that helps. That does help. Um, See, I think that that is a step in the right direction. But it's almost like this. Think about that uh, Lonzo's brother, LaMelo. Yeah. LaMelo, two years ago, was in the same category as Zion Williamson. Right. He goes over to, what was it, Lithuania? Is that where they ended yeah, up? Yeah, that's where they ended up playing. Yeah, after he got caught with all the nonsense and quit. Yeah, UCLA. I mean, he leaves Chino Hills. It's an uproar, blah, blah, blah. If he was at a youth academy, do you really think LeVar Ball would have been able to get away with that crap? No. Um, he, that, that's kind of what I'm leaning towards with the youth academy. And, yeah. and now I'm going to kind of equate it with the G League. Minor league baseball is one of my favorite things to go watch. Mm-hmm. I think in baseball they have way too many levels. Yes. And, but with this format, mm-hmm. it's almost dummy proof. If you have a youth academy and you develop these kids, the, what happened to LaMelo Ball and what's going on right now with him at the Spire Academy in mm-hmm. Ohio, it wouldn't be going on. Like, you have a youth academy. You don't have to have these prep schools where these kids are going there f- trying to get their grades better, trying to showcase their skills for an extra year of high school ball. Like, I think it's great for them. Mm-hmm. Like, I think in, in Beckley, it's awesome because Greater Beckley Christian has uh, the, Bas- the Beckley Prep School that they that they play their games at over there, at Greater Beckley, mm-hmm. they're fun to watch because that's D one level, level talent, talent yeah. in Beckley that yeah. you can go and watch. But here's the thing: if we had a youth academy, these guys would be taken care of. Some of these guys that are going through this one and done process, think about like a Sebastian Telfair from a few like yeah. many years ago. Yeah. What happened to him wouldn't happen. A high, getting drafted out of high school that's a bust, that has no business playing pro ball, but is 18 years old and has nothing to do. He's taken care of in the youth academy. They recognize that he's not ready. Right. They, right. Re, they can release him out, and then he can still go play high school ball. And then he can still go off to college and get ready. Right. And, that, and that's fair, but I, I just don't like the aspect of it. Um, I think... The mandatory age limit that they put on college is a joke. It is. I think that's a joke. Okay, I think, like you mentioned, the G League. Uh, I, I think if they put the G League as a place where yeah. those kids that just left the youth, youth academy and the NBA teams want to see if they're ready yeah. for the league, if they want to see if they are, they let them play in some G League games against, like, some role players that are wanting to get extra minutes, some rehab starts, like what they're doing with DeMarcus Cousins. Right. Like they're sending him down to the Santa Cruz Warriors mm-hmm. so he can get some practice yeah. in. And um, like if you if we have guys that are 17, 18 years old going down and playing against those guys, 
they can see whether these guys are NBA ready mm-hmm. or if they need to stay in the G League a while and sharpen Which, their skills. A lot of the high high uh, profile guys they they do play against NBA level talent, um, but you know. <sighs> Whether or not a guy pans out long term or not, you never know. It doesn't matter how much you watch him, unless even even playing in whatever league he's playing in, you know, when they get to the NBA, you never know what they're going to be until they're there. Yeah. Uh, another thing, man. Um, as corrupt as the NCAA is, you know, this billion dollar business, they don't want to pay their players. You know, that's a whole other thing we could go off on. Um, college basketball generates a ton of revenue. And the TV ratings that they have is insane. And, you know, we all understand that part of the reason why they have this one-and-done rule is for the TV ratings. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you, if you look at the TV ratings for Duke basketball this year, they've surpassed what they have in a long time. Yeah. You know, Zion Williams is a walking human highlight reel. He <laughs> is Dominique Wilkins with... Maybe a little more skill. Maybe I'm overstepping my boundaries. No, I think I think you're pretty much hitting it on the head, man. That, that Williamson kid, man, he can he can jump. He can play killer defense. He can shoot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not always consistent, so, but he can shoot. Um, my thing is <coughs> baseball and football, they have the rule. If you sign to play with the college, you must play three years. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know that – I don't necessarily agree it must be three years. But I think if you sign with a college program in basketball, you should be mandated to stay for two years. Mm-hmm. And you should be – but out of high school, you should be able to contact an agent, and he should be able to get you workouts. And then you should be able to decide, based on the information you get from your workouts and your coaches, hey, you have a chance. Hey, you can come be a two-way player. Hey – you know, go to college, you need time, mm-hmm. you get all that information, and then you decide, all right, I'm going to roll the dice, and I'm going to see if I can get drafted, or I'm going to see if I can sign a D-League contract, mm-hmm. right? Or you sign with your college, that national letter of intent should stand for something, you sign with college, and you play two years, two years of college ball, I don't care about transferring, whatever, if you sign with a team, and you don't play the first year, and then you transfer, and then you want to go pro, whatever, two years in the college system. Um, and I think that that would really help a lot of the issues. Uh, of course, with the NCAA, nothing's ever going to change until they start to open their pockets and, and reinvest in their assets. What are their assets? Us, the players, man. Like, like in all seriousness, like the NCAA, until they start valuing, the football players that are generating the money, the basketball players that are generating money, even the baseball players, the softball players, those, those kids are on TV with NCAA logos plastered Plastered all over the place. And that's the issue. Like right now I have a feeling that the reason that stuff's not getting taken care of with the NCAA and this corruption deal Mm -hmm. is simply because they don't want to spend the money. Absolutely. Um, I believe in my opinion, maybe it's just my morals and my ethics. You are an amateur until you are 18 years old. And um, I think that your amateurism should be protected. Uh, go to an academy, man. Go to a big-time academy. Play AAU. Um, when the time comes, decide if you want to go to the G League and sign that one-year $125,000 contract. If you're that good. Or decide if you want to go overseas and play. You know, Brandon Jennings went overseas. He, uh, you know, 
he had a solid NBA career. Um, you know, everyone's circumstances are different. And I don't know that there's a, a, a single bandage that can answer all of it. Um, you know, a lot of the problem is, is these players... These players have dreams of making it to the NBA, but a lot of these players come from um, underprivileged environments, and you know they do need the money for their family. So if uh, so, if a booster comes to them and, and says, "Hey, man, here's a hundred grand to your family, come sign with us," you know what yeah. are you going to do? You, know, we, you and I come from pretty solid backgrounds, but even you know if you're in high school and somebody was like, "Hey, dude, hundred grand, come play for me," yeah, I say I'd be I'd be doing that one in a heartbeat. So. That part is what I don't like. But if you could say, hey, you know, if you play and, you know, you you could base it on production, whatever it is, if these guys were allowed some of the money that is generated to the NCAA, I think that would help a lot. I think it would too. Um, but then again, you know, if you had a quote-unquote farm type of system, it would help. The thing, my thing is, I'm passionate about college basketball and what it stands for in our society. What it means to us in America. Like, March Madness is real. Mm-hmm. Okay, now if you talk about getting rid of college basketball and what it is and what it stands for, that's a hit. Yeah. You know, economically it's a hit. And just for the diehard fans, man, we love watching that. Yeah. And, so, I, and I feel like this one and done is kind of ruining the game. Yeah. I think it is, man. And it's frustrating because it's the same top-tier programs that get the top-tier guys every year. Typically, you see those programs lose to what? To senior, mid-major teams who have guys that have been in the program for four and five years, and that's who beats them. But um, the one and done, you cannot, like Javon Carter, you knew from his freshman year, you watched him grow. Like when Javon Carter left, I felt like he was a distant cousin. I knew that guy. Like Mm -hmm. that guy comes over for Thanksgiving dinner. That's how much you watched him and how connected you felt with him. And see, know? and see, that's how I am with Sundarius Thornwell from South Carolina. I mean, it, that man... Is he at the Clippers now? Oh, yeah, man. And he's, and he's killing it. And the thing is, is that he had the opportunity to go to a big program. He chose to stay home with us. And he stayed for four years. Four years. And he was with us when we were awful. Mm-hmm. And he stayed with us when we made our Final Four run. Oh, yeah. I and, loved it. Uh, man, you and me both, I legit cried when we beat Duke. Oh, I, dude. I was the yeah. – my wife can even attest that. I was legit crying happy tears when we were shooting free throws to, to seal, seal the, the game. game. Probably um, similar tears to me when Deshaun Butler tore his knee. Oh, man. For mine were for sadness. Yeah, I, I, was, I was crying that one too, especially when Huggins was holding them yeah. and, at the game. That was, that was a um, sad time. So, you know – I think uh, I like your take on it. I think my take is maybe my take is more from a social aspect and how that it impacts us right now and, and whether or not the kids in our society would be capable of conforming to something similar to what you think would work. Yeah, and, and I think I think with yours and mine both, I think if the NCA could adapt either one of these, it would be an effective way to go about. Absolutely, it. they need clearly they understand they need change. Yes. Now, and the G League allowing players to sign straight out of high school that is a positive, right? Yeah. And I think even the NCAA and the NBA realize something's wrong here. Yeah. And yeah. When you have the when you have the FBI, right? The mm-hmm. FBI investigating when you have like one of the faces of college basketball 
Hey, are, Design? You, are you talking about old horny Rick Pitino? Yeah. <laughs> man, so. that, man, that man was a sleaze. I mean, it, that man literally three years in a row had scandal after scandal yeah, after scandal. scandal. Yeah. I, I mean, between the stripper Those scandal, Italians. the shoe scandal. Like, I, yeah. I mean, it, it was yeah. horrible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, so hey, that's going to end. Uh, that's going to end that segment, guys. Um, we've had a lot of fun doing it this week, and um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, you know, we we this is our second episode doing this, and we're really grateful that everybody's listened so far. And we actually are getting ready to start an email. Yes. Uh, with we have uh, our email teachers take wv at gmail dot com. So teachers take wv at gmail dot com. And and that's for if you guys want us to add anything into this, if you guys want us to talk about a certain topic on here, just email us at that email. That's teachers take wv at gmail dot com and we'll get back with you guys and hopefully be able to throw anything in there that you want. Also, um if anyone's interested in having an ad uh, read or anything of that matter if you have anything that you would like mentioned or shouted out or if you have a topic you would like us to cover hit our email that's teachers take wv at gmail.com uh, direct message us on twitter uh, we're looking at starting a facebook page we're not on instagram yet but um on twitter we are on on twitter we are at teachers take wv that is that simple at teachers take wv and we're pretty good about getting back with people on there. Uh, you guys can either follow us on there. Uh, we have links on there to subscribe to our podcast. And you guys can get a hold of us anytime. So subscribe, like, share, thumbs up, word of mouth. Get the word out, guys. We're loving doing this. Um, any feedback is a positive. So uh, make it happen, guys. Let's make it happen. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Yep. And you guys have a very Merry Christmas, and and you guys just have a great week. We'll be back next Thursday.